Hello and welcome to the 27th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Okay, I'm going to play this little clip quickly. Hello. It's Patrick the Grave Slimer Grimion reporting for duty. Kurt Joe. I just wanted to give a big uh, congratulations to Donald Saunderson on having a new child. We here at the Academy Academy are proud of you. And in my faith, the Jewish faith, well, I guess we would consider you a bar mitzvah. You're a man now. Kurt Chow. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. That I we yes, we have received a lot of congratulations, a lot of cards in the mail, a lot of text messages, but that one really just moved to the very, very top of the list. Oh man, this yeah. I had first to, episode back. I had to find I had to find that uh November rain instrumental. Yeah, I was like I was like, oh, there's something. Guns and Roses have come up a couple of times. So that's good. Yeah, I was like, that seems. I don't know. It felt, felt fitting. It felt fitting. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, it has yeah. been a while. It's been a while, man. It's been a while, and not not for our listeners, but for Patrick and I. We we took a little time off. We banked a few episodes, as they say in the biz. Um, but Patrick, this morning actually, we were you know taking care of the baby, and oh, Jen yeah. Jen brought up an interesting. We were talking about having breakfast. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I might Kramer versus Kramer you so you could learn how to make French toast. <laughs> oh, don't do that. No, no, it's not worth it. Not for the not French toast. It. French toast is great, but don't do that. Ted Kramer, of course, as we all remember from the uh, multiple Kramer versus Kramer episodes of our previous season. The uh, most of that story hinged on the fact that he was terrible at making French toast when Meryl Streep first left him and was wonderful through tear stained eyes at doing it when Meryl Streep tried to get the baby back. And uh, yeah, I was weird joking though. I was like, boy, imagine the legal fees just to get me to learn how to make French toast <laughs> if we went through the entire Kramer versus Kramer process. Yeah, I'd be really funny if we went back and watched the movie, we realized it was just this is just the origin of IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like <laughs> like this there, is what... there's like there's there's a lost like little card that they put and ted kramer took all the skills he learned through all of the agony and trauma and what he learned about being a father and put it into a fast casual dining experience known as the international house of pancakes <laughs> it'd be like pa- okay like i just watched papillon and it's so <laughs> funny how the end of papillon like um it really ends like it looks like he's gonna just die in the ocean but then like it ends with just like a little card that's like Papillon made it to freedom and the and the prison uh, died long after long before he died and everything is cool. They should have just done that with Kramer versus Kramer where it's just like Kramer ended up making a, an, a fast casual restaurant and his son grew up to be a mathematician. The end. It's like, it's like everything's okay. It's all fine now. They got remarried. Kramer and Kramer got remarried. I love those title cards. It's like 
and then this happened and this happened and this happened i'm like well that would have been the third act of this movie yeah. all of that would have been real pertinent information for us to see yeah, in this like movie this. yeah i was like so papillon is okay or not okay oh you'll find out read yeah, the card you'll find, yeah you'll find, you'll find out yeah the card will tell you buddy well uh, it's good to be back and we got a just a terrific very funny guest today yeah um the from the let craig be online shows and comrade pepper on instagram courtney haney's here welcome hello 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 welcome to the academy of course yes thank you yeah. We're so happy to have you. Um, and, you know, first guest back after a little bit of a hiatus, but you're back for, uh, we're all here for, uh, you know, say it like it is, one of the big ones of this tournament, oh, yeah. you know, both in terms of length of movies and kind of um, cultural impact. <laughs> um, but uh, we're, of course, going to be talking about The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 later on in the episode, trying as a group really, really hard to say something new about yeah. these films <laughs> we, we totally can do it not think, everything has been written about this already okay i think it's possible patrick yeah. will come up with some sort of like that's all relates back to pokemon or dragon yeah, ball oh, yeah. z or something like yeah, that. This, is, uh, this is clearly mimicking goku's ascension <laughs> yeah as, here we go. Uh, super saiyan yeah no yeah 100 shrek, just... <laughs> shrek took something from here yeah, yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is clearly a thinly veiled prequel to uh madagascar yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, obviously, the movies have, there's a lot to get into, a lot to talk about. This is these are, I think, all of us had very fun, very kind of uh, fresh watches on these movies. So, oh, yeah. but uh, before we get into that, Courtney, we got to know. We're asking everybody. Everybody's just pounding down the Academy Academy's front door, including Bill Nighy of all people. Patrick, he even wants in. Oh, no. um, what is your autobiography? You know, first oh. memories of Pacino, first like favorites growing up, or maybe no, we've had guests that have had no uh, yeah. <laughs> history with him whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamic um, podcasting. <laughs> um, no, I was thinking about this because so I grew up in uh, like a beach city in California, and beach city people normally like we hate mafia movies. You're just brainwashed to not like them mm. and not. Therefore, not like Al Pacino. <laughs> so I think I used to have to like sneak in watching Al Pacino movies on HBO when like my parents were like not in town. So I prop. I think I watched *Son of the Woman* first and just thought it was weird as hell. Mm. Never got it. But I think like *Devil's Advocate* was like the first movie where I was like, I fucking love this movie. I'm demented for loving this movie. I will rewatch it over and over again. Um, and then I did stupid things like go and watch like Simone in movie theaters and was like the one person who didn't hate it. <laughs> so I think that's my history of Al Pacino. So uh, yeah. So that was secret, secret love affair. Yeah. yeah. No, are you say so are you you might be the number one Simone appreciator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> might be the number oh, yeah. one fan of Simone. And we'll have to yeah. do the math after we get off the air, but it's I mean, educated guess, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, proofs yeah. in the pudding. Yeah, proofs in the pudding. pudding? Uh, directed by Andrew Nicole. Yeah. Nicole. 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 Yeah, Nicole. Andrew, if you're listening, um, come on the podcast. We'll talk about Simone. You can let us know how to pronounce your name. Yeah, let us know uh, how to pronounce <laughs> your name, dude. And bring your friend Alex Proyas. Yeah. Like, like let's both- <laughs> underrated um mid-level science fiction directors of the mid-90s to the mid-2000s. Would that be an accurate description? Oh, I'd yeah. say so. 
I'd say yeah. so too. Yeah, that's like that's that's see that'd be my expendables. It's just a bunch of <laughs> mid-level like Alex Proyas, <laughs> Alex Nickel. I uh, would watch in a heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> what are other people that fill that? Uh, Mike Newell. <laughs> Not really, yes. not, not really a science fiction director, but he's like mid, mid tier. Uh, I'm gonna do two more. Uh, uh, Ron, nah, Ron Howard would be the bad guy. That'd be the that'd be the villain. Yeah, he's a little too mainstream. Yeah, a little too mainstream. Uh. Yeah, would be really like hot against type casting, like Robin Williams on last week's episode of Insomnia. Oh yeah, you oh, know, man. Ron good. Howard villain. Yeah, Ron Howard, villain. <laughs> and he, but he still does narration like uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, the yeah. guy who directed um, it, in like the sequel when they have to go international story, they can like run into the guy who directed the King's Speech. Oh, Tom Hooper, yes. <laughs> yeah. that's, and that's... the guy who did The Artist when they go to France. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to, his last name is just a sequence yeah. of letters I cannot even begin to comprehend. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that'd be yeah. If you've got ideas, if you want to, I mean, listeners, if you want to throw together a mock poster of uh, mid-range, solid, working Hollywood directors in an Expendables like get up, yeah. uh, we'd love it. We'd put it. We we will retweet the shit out of that. Oh, um, for real. The uh, Devil's Advocate. We're doing it next week. Has come up a lot, and Patrick, you brought up a really interesting point about kind of. Our, our guests, us, just kind of the devil's advocate being like kind of this movie that hit kind of the HBO and then further on to the TNT USA basic oh, cable market oh, yeah. at a kind of a sweet spot time period for our age group in mm-hmm. which that was the Al Pacino movie that was on all the time. All the, all the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, there's also like a knockoff TV version called The Advocate's Devil, which does oh, not star Al Pacino. <laughs> um, it's amazing. I rules. There was, I, I believe there was I, also. I one highly of... recommend watching it. It's terrible and does not mask at all what it's oh, trying to make fun That's awesome. I love that stuff so much. They're, um, the great DVD, Blu-ray label Severin Films just put out a DVD of a film called Cruel Jaws. Which is an Italian, just um, straight up speed for beat Jaws ripoff with none of the budget or skill. And I just, oh, I'm so supportive of any of that kind of thing. I think it's so funny. I was going to mention there was a TV show too called uh, The Prada's Devil. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, I, I have seen it. Yeah. Um, Meryl uh, Streep and Anne Hathaway were not involved in that no, one. No, not at all. <laughs> same story. There's, there's also a movie called Passenger that came out the same year as Passengers. Um, not like plot completely different, but like the metadata when you look on TV tries to convince you it's Passengers, but it's it's uh, Just for uh, Anne Hathaway, actually. So we should um. We should like force out real quick, Patrick, a real terrible film that we called Nomad Lands and get it on <laughs> iTunes to try and make a few bucks on people making mistakes. Oh, you <laughs> make so much money. It's like, huh, I don't remember uh, Nomad Land having a starring role for Billy Zane. Yeah. Billy, Billy, we'll we're still yeah. we're still waiting for you, Billy. Come oh, on the please, show. Get on the show. <laughs> Billy, talk to we us. Love you. Yeah. Talk to us about that uh, crazy sci-fi pilot you directed. Come on, 
And we were, we, he, he came up the other day cause my dad was real adamant and I know other people have said this too, but my dad had a, he's down here with my mom helping out with the baby and adamant monologue about Trump and Billy Zane's character in the Titanic movie being very similar guys. And he was very, he's like, he's like, Oh, Trump's saying he's, he's on the boat with the women and children. He's getting out of there. He's a, he's such a weakling. He's not on the door with Jack and Rose. I was like, yeah, that's fair. I would say yeah. that's pretty true. I, would say I think that, it's fair. Yeah, yeah he, he is kind of like passionate. Trump is a bit of like a, a, a an evil man. Also, I think like the the fop energy. There's a little bit of fop energy. I don't there. think he has the um the passion that Billy Zane has, mm, though. That's true. He wouldn't, that yeah, he wouldn't try to chase someone with a gun. I, I don't think like... he cares enough. He once his like henchman failed, he'd be like, oh well, whatever. Where the um. You know, where the crab cakes. I'm just going to go and eat. eat. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, beyond that, though, I mean, yeah, Devil's Advocate, we're doing it next week. It's going up against Donnie Brasco. Mm. It's going um, to be a tough matchup is tough matchup again. You know, if we ever do a crossover, I, I absolutely think we need to do a Devil Wears Prada versus Devil's Advocate episode later on, Patrick, Ooh. for uh, Devilish Bosses. That'd be fun you know, yeah, from our two uh, from our two leads, but yeah, it's um it's interesting. Like you say about kind of like even though um yeah, you had an extra in your community growing up, Cordy. It's like Pacino's movies do have this like adult quality though when you're growing up. That it's like I do kind of need to like they're all rated R. He's all he's playing edgy men. Evil. Edgy yeah, to yeah. evil, evil man yeah. each time out. Yeah. <laughs> even in the rom coms, he's an yeah. evil man. Yeah, yeah. yeah even uh, when he's ostensibly a good guy, you're like, oh, you're up to something, man. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, but there was, yeah, there is kind of a desire, like a a forbiddenness to them that makes that made me certainly at like 13 want to be like, oh, I want to see all of these movies. I need to know what this guy's up to. He he does not seem on the level at all, and I'm very fascinated with him because of that um, the most recent al pacino film i saw like was frank like frankie and johnny it's like 91 rom-com and he is just manic crazy the entire time and it's supposed to be like a sweet loving film and like he cannot tone it down and it's like oh he's an immigrant he means wow directed by gary marshall oh yeah frankie and johnny gary yeah, marshall wow <laughs> Dude, watch the trailer. It makes no sense. I promise you. We'll, we'll po- we'll, we will be posting the trailer for all listeners on our Twitter feed. And oh. uh, yeah, I mean, we were saying before we came on the air, like even his bad movies or movies that don't totally like stick the landing. Mm-hmm. He can be so strange and he makes such like weird, bold choices that he's so confident in that you can't help but like want to see all of them. Even in like, you know, because he's not like Patrick. I think you brought this up before. Like, late period De Niro, who is seems to be, and God bless him, but seems to be taking that check and sleepwalking oh, yeah. through what he like. Al is still going for it, even in these like lesser, weirder things. Like, I mean, even like on the Hunter show. I don't know if you all watched that on Amazon that he did, which no. I was not, no, not necessarily my favorite thing I've watched. Um, but he's he's weird. He's totally weird. He's totally going for it. And, you know, you can't take your eyes off of him. 
Yeah, there's and... like a there's like a uh, there's like a reason that like Dunkachino's a meme. <laughs> like it is like that thing where like it is like this thing where he does like even in like the bad roles he does put his like weird all into it. And when you when you brought up the De Niro thing, I I, I couldn't help but imagine how gr- how much better the world would be if Bad Grandpa starred Al Pacino instead yeah. of Robert De Niro. Imagine how ins- how bad it, of a grandpa. <laughs> maybe I'm missing something, but like Al Pacino seems like ready to go for one of these like dirty grandpa comedies oh, that they yeah, do oh, make a lot of dirty grandpa yeah sorry bad grandpa's the johnny although let's be fair even the johnny knoxville one he would yeah. crush it he would do it imagine al pacino we're doing a blanket grandpa blanket yeah, grandpa any here grandpa. oh hell jackass make him one of the jackass he could do bad santa three there's yeah. a lot of directions oh, he can go God. with okay yeah. well they introduced in bad santa two billy bob thornton's mom who was played by kathy bates <sighs> why not in bad santa three i know how about uh, Al Pacino as Billy Bob Thornton's dad? <laughs> this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Oh, somebody call Netflix. We got ideas. But, but here's the twist. He 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 pretends to be the damn Easter Bunny. Oh, and he, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and the, yeah, and then like they could do an Expendables like thing where Billy Bob Thornton's expe- <laughs> extended family. You know, you got a you got a pilgrim, you got an Easter Bunny, yes, you got a, you got a cute Cupid, a Tooth Fairy. <laughs> All the holidays are yeah, represented. And a tree for Arbor Day. <laughs> so, a guy who's just on fire. He's a firework for the Fourth of July. He's he had a tough one, a tough part for him. <laughs> yeah, constantly must be constantly on fire. <laughs> Yeah, must not be allergic to that flammable gel. Yeah, he's played by Steve Buscemi. I don't know why, but I, I see Steve Buscemi in that part. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, yeah. 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 But, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it, it, there is that's like such a difference this season in, like, you know, we used to joke about how we didn't watch Marvin's Room or we didn't watch Music of the Heart and we didn't feel too bad about that during the Meryl Streep season. It's like, I get the idea. She's a, she's teaching violin to people. She's, we, we know how, she, we know how this goes, but like Al Pacino, you're like, looking at the filmography and I, I, I keep looking at, I, I keep passing sea of love on Amazon to yeah. rent and I, uh, sea of love is not in our schedule. I'm like, Oh man, I feel like we have to watch sea of love. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why. There's like a, there's a chaos to Al Pacino that very few actors can emulate. Like, it's like, yeah, him. I feel like there's certain, certain like, I feel like Tilda Swinton can sometimes do that. Oh, where, like, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tilda Swinton, 100%, like, yeah, like, where it's like, you'll have a performance of hers, of, of theirs in Snowpiercer, and you're like, oh, you're like, this is like, you you are chaos, my friend. Like, I want to, uh, <laughs> give me a, give me a dirty grandma with Tilda Swinton. Ooh, or Dirty, dirty Grandparents or ah, Al Pacino. Yeah. Yes, and they then go. they join Jackass. That's the plot. I would love to watch any episode of Jackass or the movie <laughs> with Al Pacino and just to see how he reacts to some of the stuff. in, Like when Ryan Dunn shoves the car up his ass. He's like, whoa, oh my. Ah, this is too much. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't, I'm, oh. not this, I'm not this type of actor. Man, put that at the top of my bucket list, man. <laughs> like, 
Hi, this is Al Pacino, and uh, welcome to Jackass. Yeah, I, I, you you put up that you put up that video that I think is maybe my favorite piece of cinema of the last year. That video you put up of uh, Stallone introducing Al Pacino to Guy Fieri on Stallone's Instagram oh, God, feed. Yeah, I, I've watched oh, it many precious. many times. Meeting it's really case. it's really yeah. special. But like, I want all of them watching Jackass with me on in Stallone's gaudy living room, <laughs> like. <laughs> like his big screen TV. These guys are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about. This. I don't know about these guys. <laughs> I don't know about the Stevo guy. Stevo, he's quite a guy. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Brian, that's just a comment. He's got a great ass, and you got that toy car all the way up it. <laughs> We're only like 20 minutes and we're already like broken men. Yeah. We're already broken men. This is, this is what the this is kind of what the Pacino like our stream season, we certainly had jokes. Yes. And, but it was all very like, well, we gotta get back to Sophie's choice mm. and talk about what part is most devastating in yeah, that. Which, movie. Yeah, which, which, yeah, which part makes us yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that we, that, yeah, how many times we said we shouldn't be laughing at this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, well, times you can be emotionally ruined by Kramer versus Kramer for the third time. It's like the Iron <laughs> Lady. Oh no, not yeah. again. That's like that's a great thing. It's like I'm never, I'll never be emotionally ruined by GG. Only brain ruined. Yeah. Only be brain ruined. Al Pacino. Yeah, Meryl Streep is an emotion ruiner. Al Pacino is just a brain ruiner. Yeah, that's fine. I don't in a good way. Thing. I'll take it. I'll yeah, take it. Yeah, I don't it. need that thing. Put another kidney in there. That's what I say. Yeah, they got that damn brain. Put another kidney in there. Hey, you apparently need them. Hey, damn straight. Yeah, I've had a kidney stone. Owie. What? What? Like a law? Oh boy, this is another one. But uh, like a lost Roger Corman movie from the seventies, the man with the kidney brain. Oh yeah, guy who has a kidney for starring a young Al Pacino. That would be a great young Al Pacino. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that Um, is. Is oh. Injustice for All on your guys' list of Pacino films? Um, that is uh, we is not in the um, okay. main so that, main competition. Okay, so it's like his lesser known '70s film where it's like it actually got nominated for like eight Oscars or something ridiculously high, and he's supposed to be like a good lawyer. But you see his footage of being like a good lawyer, and I don't believe it at all. So but that's the it one was like the beginning of the turn, basically. It's yeah. like, oh, he only he only does Academy worthy like best picture movies. And then you see the footage for Injustice for All. I'm like, this may have been overrated. I don't know. Um, yeah. this isn't how law works. There isn't this no. thing in court. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what the movie is. <laughs> I mean, if Send of a Woman taught me anything, is if you scream funny enough uh everyone will <laughs> love you and you win so yeah oh <laughs> sent a woman which we are watching again folks. oh yeah that's so sorry through the thoughts that I'm it not, defe- I, I defeated the <laughs> underrated any given sunday i have i but i i think we're gonna turn i think oh, we're gonna I, look I, much I, like much like florence foster jenkins we're gonna be sent of a woman heads by the time this is over Oh yeah! By the way, we love where we 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 stand, Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, big big Huge. update! But we'll move on to the Godfather right after this. Patrick, I'm getting the first dose of that dang vaccine tomorrow. Yeah. Which means when we're we'll both be vaccinated. Which means, folks, the Florence Foster Jenkins commentary episode with Patrick and I in the same room Ooh. is could happen sooner than you think. <laughs> 
Oh, hell yeah. 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 Do you Two hear- hours of pure Florence Foster Jenkins. You're going to hear all of our comments about Cosme McMoon. <laughs> and the rest of the gang, you, <laughs> yeah. you thought we had forgotten them. We haven't. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Academy Academy lore, Florence Foster Jenkins somehow has become our favorite movie. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I would die for that film. That's like the, I, I'm, I've never gotten a tattoo in my life and I probably never will. But the first time I ever seriously considered getting a tattoo was like of like something from Florence Foster Jenkins. I was seriously like, <laughs> I was just going to get across my rib cage. Um, some would say I couldn't sing, but they never would say I didn't sing. Oh, that's good. Something like, something like that, you know, and then, and then below that to uh, correspond with my feelings on tattoos, I would have tattooed. I have so many doubts. <laughs> just have uh i would just have on my uh i don't know like as a on the what's it called like a whale tail type thing like a, the, you know where the butt tramp stamp. Uh, tramp stamp yes yes yeah. I, would, yeah. I, would just have, I, I would just have yeah, a tramp stamp whale tail i was i would just have a directed by Stephen frears <laughs> <laughs> right there just uh right right oh. near the near my little crack just i mean i already have i have to get rid of mine this is written and directed by joel and ethan cohen across <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I used to hate tram stamps. Now I'm considering getting one. That would be so funny. Written directed by Andrew Nicole. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The writer that's of- that's that's the new um, you know they they have those like uh, t-shirts where they have the Rock logo, but with the director's name. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen those, that's the new version of that. If you really oh, want to be like a Martin Scorsese head, you got to get a tattoo right above your bum. Yeah, that's that little, a that Martin little, Scorsese picture. Yeah, that like the little uh, that like that little booty wig. Yeah, get that booty wig. Uh, but uh, you know, speaking of the greats, Francis Ford Coppola. Oh yeah, we're talking to from the big man himself. Um, oh, man. And I'm gonna just jump into it here. I have a. Sp- I went to the Albertsons up the street from my house on Hillhurst the other night, and I bought a bottle of Francis Coppola Pinot Grigio. 2019 that i'm gonna crack open (laughs) and enjoy during our episode even though i don't like i'm so jealous i'm i literally was thinking you're saying that (laughs) i should have gotten coppola wine to drink for this Uh, and i'm so jealous oh that's so good well well for the finale we'll encourage everyone when we do our final vote to be drinking whatever whatever flavor of coppola that they enjoy the most oh man I could uh, try to think if I, I have some wine in the ah, maybe I'll crack it open. Maybe I'll. Crack it. I, I, def, I definitely have, I have a I have a I have a foot mask I could put on. <laughs> it's close. Yeah, um, my yeah. Amino, uh, it's very uh, sim- uh, similar flavors. Yeah. My uh, my dad was telling me he has visited the Coppola Winery in Napa <gasps> oh, before. And I have too. It hurts. Cool. You go. On. Yeah. You, you know, I want to hear your story. But, you no, know. I. So I was gonna say it's the opposite of cool. It's so. <laughs> com- it's so, uh, I go wine tasting all the time ah. and the Coppola wine, uh, where it is, it's like the touristy section of Napa where it's mm. like the mass produced wineries, like the, like, I want to try wine tasting, but I don't really know what wine tastes. That's where the Coppola winery oh. is. And the room is like perfectly designed for like mass produced, like over marketed stuff. And you, you taste the wine. That's what the wine tastes like. And so it's just, it's so 
for like how much of a highbrow director he is and how like lowbrow mass-produced like over-marketed his winery is it's just this weird juxtaposition that like doesn't make a lot of sense I thought it was um you know I'm not a big wine drinker so I did not know what I was getting into but I was just looking for the label last night and I was like wow here it is and it's eleven dollars which made me very happy because I didn't have to spend too much money but also I was like I don't know if eleven dollars makes the best price for wine but um (laughs) generally (laughs) just a guess yeah Yeah, well the the twist off also I feel like yeah the twist (laughs) off didn't really like, uh, I mean, I guess it's not ease of ease of transport. I mean, there, I but mean, then the, you know, I'm not going to knock twist offs. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a twist off. You know, you, you can't get corked. But like, if a wine's like less than twenty, it's like they had to add like fake sugars in it to keep the price low. So it yeah. like there's like little reasons why it doesn't taste good. But you enjoy your wine. I well, <laughs> I mean, my my dad was telling me that his Oscars are on display, and so are some Godfather props. Yes, and that was what yeah. I was. I was like, oh, that sounds really neat. That was, <laughs> That's I what would, I want to see. I would go just to like, oh, but I love in one of our movies. Uh, I have a question for both of you. If any of you ever won an Oscar, would you sleep with it by your bed? Oh, what what, um, what what was um? Jerry, uh, the there's one there's a you know there's a famous sequence in the film, but uh, the thing oh yes that, yes the horse <laughs> the, yes, the horse, classic yes. sequence. In the, uh, why am I being uh what the head part the horse head? Well, okay, horse anyway. head. so by the way, with that horse's head, I have always had a cat in my life, and I had this cat growing up who was a great hunter, and I had a fish as well, and my cat once like I was like always close my doors, my cat couldn't like eat my fish when I was away. Um, and one of these times I came back, the cat had like jumped out of the room, like, oh crap, he ate the fish. And then he actually put the fish head in my bed. So like, I truly get traumatized when I rewatch that scene in The Godfather because I had a fish head in my bed. So And that fish sleeps with the fishes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If that, if your cat was a mobster, he would have sent you a fish for the fish. Yeah. Another fish, <laughs> and here's a here's a here's another fish. <laughs> yeah, it's a never-ending cycle. That'd be an issue. That'd be a conundrum. Oh boy, that sounds like a Chris Nolan movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fish mob. Um, but, but going uh, going back to the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Um, so I used to work on the Sony Pictures lot, and they have all the the best picture Oscars that they've ever won, like all on display in the the Thalberg Building. And I would just like, when I started working there, like I would stare at them and I like linger at them. I'd be told to move further away and I was scaring people. <laughs> and then after all, you're like, eh, it's a gold man. That's cool. And then you walk on. So I don't know. I think yeah. I would have a display case and like stare at it all day long for the first few years. And then I would mm-hmm. just like throw in a drawer or something. So yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking too. I just found kind of like this guy was, this, I just found it a little ghost. I was like, come on. Well, come this on. guy, I mean, you say his house and yeah. Oh yeah. But, no, he, he's a bad boy. He's a bad yeah, boy. He's a bad boy. We'll get to that. All right. So. <laughs> We're just gonna dive right in here. Oh, finally, I mean, we had some we had some laughs, but it's now let's get serious. Yep. Some serious American cinema. Enough of the bread. Now for the sauce and <laughs> spaghetti. Yeah, and all <laughs> yeah, the lasagna and everything down the line. <laughs> lasagna, all the, the the meal. Yeah, how's your lasagna, Kay? Um, Nineteen seventy-two, The Godfather. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola, screenplay by Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, based on Mario Puzo's book. 
the film was budgeted at, uh, you know, obviously these are 1970s, so we don't have the exact numbers for a lot of this stuff in the same way we do today. Uh, budgeted at six to $7.2 million. It made somewhere between 246 and 287 million. Uh, 1972 oh, money, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, obviously this movie kind of is one of the kind of peak movies that everyone talks about as being among the best or their favorites or what have you. Um, the critical response, it holds a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critical Consensus reads, one of Hollywood's greatest critical and commercial successes, The Godfather gets everything right. Not only did the movie transcend expectations, it established new benchmarks for American cinema. That's a... That's pretty, uh, that's a lot of praise. Yeah, <laughs> that pretty. sentence. Uh, the movie was nominated for. Looks like uh, I did a, my quick count uh, nine Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Original Dramatic Score, which Patrick, get ready for this, revoked. For some sort of rules about what was written before and what was written, you know, the the scoring like they're very stingy on kind of what gets through and who's doing the composing like wonderful right. scores like um there will be blood was knocked out a few years ago because um a couple of the pieces johnny greenwood had re- recorded for other stuff you know a lot of um i know that happened with the revenant score because it was coming from a wide variety of sources right. and a lot of nice scores kind of get hurt by their kind of like touchy strict rules yeah uh nominated for best sound nominated for best film editing nominated for best costume design best adapted screenplay get this three nominees for best supporting actor james con robert duvall and our man al pacino best actor marlon brando who of course get this refused the award when he won Wow. Oh, yeah, that was famous. Yeah. Yes, a big moment in Academy history. Um, nominated Best Director, Francis Ford Coppola, and Best Picture. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay, obviously Best Actor, which was refused, and Best Picture. Only um, three. Oh, wow. Only three, yeah. Um, those years were pretty stacked, but yeah, you'd be surprised. Oh, and um, interestingly enough, I did look it up because I was curious. Uh, Bob Fosse won Best Director that year for Cabaret. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was about to say, was that Cabaret? Yeah, that would have been the Cabaret year. Yeah. All that jazz was Slater. All that jazz was actually, I believe, up against Apocalypse Now. And another face-off with Francis Ford Coppola of two. Something's a new face-off to do. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Coppola <laughs> Fosse. I also, believe, I, also, I also think that like Joel Gray won the Best Supporting Actor, too. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, he did. Man. Over, over those... Oh, those three heavy hitters. Man. Although I would, I would be, I'd be willing to argue that both Duvall and Pacino, I like their work in the second one more. But we'll get there. We're not all the way oh, there okay. yet. Right. <laughs> we'll get there. And I think Robert Duvall will also get there later on when we talk about Godfather Three and the Coda. Sorely missed. Yeah, I would also in argue the third one. I would also argue there's a one uh, role that's missing from the best supporting actors. Uh, I think you're absolutely oh, right. I I agree. Yes. Yeah. And hey, I, think, I don't know if I agree with the same one, but yeah. I agree. <laughs> Maybe even two, but we'll we'll talk about it. we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to them yeah. momentarily here, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we were joking before we came on. Like, 
and when we were on even like how do you even begin to discuss a movie like this that has so many books and essays and top 10 lists and you know even francis ford coppola is probably fucking tired of talking about it (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time i mean what an achievement like i hadn't seen it probably in my wife watched him for the first time a few years ago so i was kind of in and out of the room i didn't sit down and dive in to watch but i saw a great deal of them but the first one in particular it just feels like a greatest hits to me like every scene pass okay here's the uh cannoli scene here's the scene where sunny's horse's killed head here's scene. the yeah. horse's head scene. Yeah. yeah it's like each of them it's like every one of the scenes the even is, scene. yeah, yeah like yeah. they're all classics at this point every one of the scenes so it's hard to like there's probably been like an essay written about each scene in the movie um but uh what's another, th- another thing too is um watching this i realized like i wish I think it should be like illegal for like cartoons to like reference the Godfather, <laughs> and maybe that's like wrong. I don't know. Uh, I that's... would be almost willing to add other movies. Yeah, to, or just, just like... in general, like put a moratorium because I was just noticing shots in both these mm-hmm. and thinking about other movies that I like a lot, mm-hmm. like and just saying like like there's a shot where um, in the second one where Vito De Niro is walking past these fireworks after he does the the um mm-hmm. killing oh, yeah. and the exact same shot is in killing them softly with brad pitt walking past the fireworks <sighs> at the end of that and i love both i love that film i think it's great but um yeah it's just like oh like and then like even like one of the opening shots of two it's like it's the same as the ending shot of james gray's movie the immigrant it, or at least like definitely yeah. there yeah but here's here's the thing i'll say with that is like in the 70s most great directors were already stealing from movies like shots from like the 20s and 30s and so that's just like to a degree it's like ah that's cheap and tacky stole from someone but then again it's like that's that that is cinema we've always done that oh yeah it's it's a yeah that's a great point and it is a continuum yeah i mean scorsese would be the first person to say that you gotta do it better um yeah, people yes. first, we will make fun of you like that's yeah, yeah totally and I, yeah. I will say too like my uh, it's like less I about agree. like yeah oh yeah and, I, and it's like for me it's like less about copying but it just it was just annoyed me that like i realized watching like the horse head scene like oh i saw this parody didn't like fucking rugrats or some shit oh yeah like yeah. and like and it like takes or away from, yeah yeah and, and and as great as that scene is like uh like it's just like i wish it's almost like um God, I had this conversation in college, uh, I was in like a music class, and we were talking about how so many like uh, works of classical, um, like you know, work like so many works of like Beethoven and like Carmen, you know, uh, all the all the great like uh, Wagner, like all the great like uh, orchestral scores or whatnot are in like Looney Tunes cartoons, mm-hmm. and in some ways that's nice because like oh you're like opening uh the uh you're uh, uh the you're, you're giving exposure like classical music exposure to kids that usually wouldn't get it on one level but then on the other hand it's like oh shit whenever this kid listens to like ride of the valkyries or whatever he now permanently associates it with like fucking kill the wabbit or what do you mean <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like and it's like it just i i sort it sort of frustrates me it's like uh it's like i don't want like 
I don't want my uh, memories of classic scenes from The Godfather like permanently tied with like Animaniacs or something. Like, I would, <laughs> like, I, like it is like a thing where like it's like almost like, um, especially if like those are like you know jokes for adults more than I don't know. It's like, uh, and I could be wrong. I could be like Nick yeah, well, in a weird way. To to go off that, it's like also I think for kids to get into these classic films and get them under their belt, it's like it's kind of a turnoff when you've already had so many like bad exposures or like riffs on it yeah where it's like oh yeah. i feel like i've seen the godfather because i've seen everyone do x y and z exactly. and like i would say for me personally like that's why i didn't watch the godfather until i was like 18 mm-hmm. um where it's just been like oh like everyone talks about it everyone makes fun of it i feel like i've seen it already and that's like these movies are so good that was just like i wish i wasn't turned off for so long yeah it's a real um there's a real homework vibe to some of these classic movies because they're mm-hmm. either parodied all the time or talked about all the time or kind of you're told like i know like citizen kane has the same totally. reputation oh God, or yeah. casablanca 100%. and i find both those two movies thrilling i think that they're a ton of fun surprisingly fun yeah oh casablanca but, is still funny and like refreshing and like not moving. slow at all <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. But uh, but uh, yeah, but it's like it's. Uh, I, I would say that like you know, if you're someone who's like you know uh, turned off from this movie because it's like uh, I already know about it. It's been in, in the in the air and like I would give it all because like even like watching like this movie is so fresh and I think there are things that like it's there are things that are almost impossible to parody. Like you can't really do like that whole Sicily Sicily subplot. In like an episode of fucking Ren and Stimpy, you know what I mean? So like, you or can't, could like, you? Or could that you? Would, that would be. I, I mean, think, like, I think we'd all be thrilled if they went yeah. down that road and decided to parody <laughs> that exact moment of the movie. I would honestly, um, I would watch an episode of it if they just did a straight fucking pit, like Yakko was like Michael Corleone. Sure. So the first time I watched The Godfather, the whole uh, Michael in Sicily was my favorite, hands down. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And, like, maybe part of the reason why I loved it so much was, like, that was the one thing that wasn't ever parodied or, like, over-talked about, that it felt so fresh and new. Yeah. And then what quickly ruined it for me is I actually went to Sicily, like, six months after I'd seen (laughs) this. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a Sicily moment. I'm going to be my Sicily woman. I'm going to have this lovely time. And, like, I fucking hated Sicily. Like, the cannolis were terrible. (laughs) Oh, there were these Sicilian women who were like chasing me and like yelling at me and the only word I caught was like ugly American um so it was just but it was just like we were in a touristy area we were on a cruise ship coming into port I get it like not what you're supposed to experience but it was beautiful but like right and I I didn't have the Michael Corleone Sicily experience I did not find a Sicilian bride it was very I, I said out loud to my wife during the Sicily sequence I was like we gotta go there. This looks great. Yeah. <laughs> like you always have like armed guards around you. This rules. Lovely. It's kind of, it's and like it's always like everything is golden all the time. And it's just oh. kind of like the weather seems perfect. One thing I one thing I noticed also about these in this rewatch, um kind of like I was laughing to myself about like the like the bros and the jocks who put up like Godfather posters thinking they're badass and everything like that. I'm like, these guys are monsters at best. Oh, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are evil people. These are like, yeah, these are like brutal thugs who have no other ideas other than like, well, I guess we'll just have to kill everybody. <laughs> 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 but these 
basic thing is like Sonny is like the the jock of the family yeah. and like oh, yeah. his style doesn't work and like michael is like the mathematician calculated scorpion hiding under a rock like it's like i'm i'll be fucking patient and then i'll murder you in the most brutal <laughs> way possible and it's it's the opposite of what a jock should aspire to be i don't know but. yeah it's 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 like many of these films i mean you could throw a lot of scorsese's work into the mix the complete misunderstanding of um praise versus criticism of these right. characters and like no they're being presented and they're not being presented in the kindest of light actually at all but they're well dressed and they're handsome so yeah you know well, well lit very <laughs> yeah, well lit yeah, everyone looks amazing but yeah i think it's it's just it is so amazing the way coppola like sets up the archetypes of the brothers and the follow-through with how uh, Brent, uh it's so, the dawn it's so treats them yeah it's yeah, yeah. It, um, it's yeah as like a new hollywood movie i think you're kind of have this vibe oh it's going to be like influenced by the french new wave or like kind of have this like but it, this is a, these movies are incredibly classical in, in their design and structure yeah yeah but they're also like just incredibly epic and sprawling in scope and it feels like any one of these characters you could pluck them out and you'd want to see like a full movie about what their deal is like mm-hmm. luca yes. brassi <clears throat> give me a yeah. fucking luca brassi like that weird <laughs> lug like the the goofiest mobster like i want to see like <laughs> this movie about this big hulking who's like apparently like in the book uh, and I, i'm gonna try and read the book i, I have the books so i want to try to read the book series so the next time we come well, it's like 900 pages it's something insane uh, uh-uh. it's like uh it's like one's 400 and then another one's like 300 yeah they're big but okay. you know they're like they're tomes definitely but um uh but uh like apparently <laughs> god in the book he is like evil like he like uh uh apparently like killed his like child or something like he killed he killed his like threw his child like in an oven and then like killed his like wife Holy and then like shit. like something something so dark it's so dark and I, I might i might have to I'll, I'll edit and make sure i have that correct but it was it's something like at that level where like he killed his kid and his like wife and then like Jeez. he owes he owes like yeah and you get none of that in the movie but which, which in my opinion thank goodness because a little I love cleaner oh, yeah. a little yeah. cleaner because <laughs> like, i kind of just love him as like in my head my head canon for this character is like oh this guy's just a goofy fun he's like a big old lug yeah. but that also that's what makes it more realistic because like I mean, real mafia families, like, there's always, like, the goofball guys being like, yeah, I'm with the cool kids. And, like, <laughs> but you're really a loser? And, oh, like, hugely. I, and it's, I, oh, it's so it's, sad when he gets, it's, like, so, uh, it's so, and you feel like. I, I've had a soft spot in my heart for Fredo for far too oh, long. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a soft spot. It, it is interesting, though, when Luca Brasi dies, and then, like, afterwards, like, we got to get Luca on this. We got to, I was like, that's the best guy? you got because he got taken out really easily <laughs> I, I personally think that like that was i almost i mean i could be wrong but i almost took it as like uh we're gonna like see how serious these guys are let's send luca <laughs> let's send this ding dong in to test the waters that's like <laughs> this is gonna be like our big old our big old lug we're gonna send our little like our yeah horny uh, i i do want to though you you brought him up and i think we should just oh, dive God, into some fredo. dive into some fredo talk here because uh, there is a shot that I never noticed before when oh, yeah. they bring Don Corleone home on the stretcher and the entire family's like in the um, 
stairwell and they're kind of like waiting for him to come in. Mm-hmm. Fredo is in like the bottom left-hand corner and they don't give him a close-up or anything like that. And just watching John Cazale be so full of shame and embarrassment that he, as his like immobile father uh... is brought in. And I was just like, what? This guy was so good and made such an interesting I wanted more Fredo in the oh. first in the first yes, movie. I absolutely, yeah. There's not enough Fredo in the first movie, and it's like I. So this is highly controversial, but Godfather Two. I always was like, I love the Michael stuff. I don't need the the Vito stuff, um, which is against everyone else's opinions <laughs> about Godfather Two. But it's because of Fredo, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. it's like not really about Michael. It's just like. Ah, it just said there's so much left with Fredo, and it's just like seeing him like kicking it in Cuba and being like, Look how well I'm doing, I'm doing great. And then (laughs) him just assuming, like, Michael won't kill me, Michael won't kill me, I'll just I'll befriend his son, that's what I'll do, that's how I'll save my life. It's like, Oh no, this is bad, this is so bad. He's he's so sad, and his desires are so on the surface, and Mm. it, it. Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know what this says about me, but I, I certainly felt myself identifying with Fredo, Fredo out of the three brothers the most. <laughs> like, most people are Fredo. Most, yeah, most people most are Fredo. People are, yeah. yeah, we're all, like, you know. Oh, we are all Fredo. We're all yeah. Fredo. Yeah, we're all Fredos. <laughs> like, you know, we've all had that moment where we're like, I'm smart, damn it. Yeah. I'm the older one. Hey, we'll, we'll talk, we can talk about it in a sec, but it's all of my mind. The way Coppola stages the I'm smart, I, I can do things scene mm-hmm. is so good. Like Pacino, who's not tall, we've covered it before, but seeming like he's seven feet tall standing there because he puts John Gazelle in that really unfortunate chair that has him completely like almost like drowning in like the armchair oh, and stuff yeah. like that. He's like sitting up, I'm smart, I can do things. And you're just like, oh, Fredo, you got to at least stand up. If you're doing this speech, you get him to believe you at all. But you just, you seem so desperate and weak. And it's just, and not many actors would go to that place of um, kind of weak vulnerability. Oh, yeah. but, and, and it's hard to do honestly and earnestly. And he mm-hmm. knocks it out of the park. Oh, um, honestly, I, felt I, so, I felt so much for him when he fumbled the gun. Oh, that's just to say, that's my favorite yeah. Fredo moment. That's like my number one Fredo moment is when his father gets shot and he's trying to like, and he just, he can't even like shoot the gun. And it's like, Oh, Fredo. They should have never given him a gun in the first place. What does no. he know about doing oh, any no. of that? He, <laughs> he would somehow shoot his butt. Like he would yeah. have, he'd, get in a, he'd have to have butt surgery. That'd be like another hour added to the movie. Him having to deal with his butt problems. But it's even, even the opening scene where we first meet him and he, when he meets Kay, he gets a little too close. He's clearly yeah. had a few too many to think too much to drink. Mm. And you're just like, Fredo, you're so real. You're just the guy who like you and your three brothers, all of you had the same amount of drinks, but you're the one who gets sloppy. You know, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's just like, and he's trying so hard and he gets so sidelined, like all yeah, the well, meetings, like, he's, he's just not he's in the middle. He's a middle brother and yeah. like he doesn't even try to fight for head of the family and like he's like yeah it makes sense it shouldn't be me i'm okay with that but like, in an american sense though he's complaining that he didn't get it 
way later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very True. American. Oh yeah, thing. yes, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Even though he didn't like, yeah, he didn't, even didn't try for it. No yeah. In the most American way, he's yeah. doing it. Uh, yeah, he's the most American character. Like they, well, they yeah. all, all three of them, all three of the brothers, and Connie even to an extent, do embody like very strong American stereotypes that last and, two today on how to behave. And Tom. And like yeah, we and Tom haven't too. mentioned yeah. Tom. Tom is totally the other like fourth component that like mm-hmm. you see all the time. Um, but yeah. And actually Tom's- I should say I, I related, if I don't relate to Fredo, I relate to Tom. We, the, the other one I relate <laughs> to is like, okay, I'm just doing my job here. <laughs> like, you know? It's like, I know what piece I am. I'm yeah. not going to make a move for this. And this is how I'm going to line things up. And this is why I never no one ever comes to kill me. (laughs) And like, I I love his whole like thing about being like, I got, he like actually comes across saying like, I got sidelined instead of like letting this fester like Mm -hmm. Fredo does. And like, and like, just been like, I've I've got sidelined. I'd just like to know what I can do better next time to not get sidelined. And it's like, it's like, no, no, this is, we're just moving the pieces around. Like I'm just a lethal evil human and I need you here so I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really, uh, this time around in both films, really liked Tom and oh, yeah. Robert Duvall. I thought, I mean, not that you don't like him every time out, but um, he particularly, stri- like the way in particular his negotiation with um, the movie guy on his trip to Los Angeles. And then at the end of Godfather 2, where he subtly suggests the suicide. <laughs> it's just kind of the way he negotiates the way it's like okay so you get it okay well this is mm-hmm. okay yeah you know and he's yeah. suggesting some very dastardly stuff but he does it so clean like a lawyer basically yeah. of like you know uh and he's like i think there's just something about like watching him too where like yeah he does like some truly evil shit like especially that like suicide that yeah, meet, that meeting geez. with uh yeah but uh but there's something it's like when we were talking about in heat when we were watching heat and the insider like people like to watch professionals like excel oh yeah and like hagen's like a total example of just a a cool as a cucumber pro just like doing his thing and like i don't know there's something about like his competence that almost and and his competence and like his willingness just to take shit like Mm -hmm. he never he never screams he never like you know he always takes it and it's some there's something about that that i think is like like you have to really like check yourself and remember like, oh yeah, this is an evil dude. This is a bad man doing horrid things, but fuck, he's like so like, uh, he's so like, he's so, there's, I don't know, so something about it. It's just something about like uh, his unerring uh, professionalism that like, is it, just incredibly it, agreeable. In a movie that is about kind of the ambition for power and striving for power and maintaining power, he's one of the few characters who understands their role within the power structure and yeah. ma- and that's why he's able to maintain it in both films so he's, well he's the ultimate lieutenant everyone mm-hmm. wants tom to be their lieutenant let's yeah. be real yeah yeah and you know and then you get i mean the the three versions of the brothers it's like you know james con who jen jen just yelled at too she's like he doesn't strike me as an italian guy <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> You probably know this already, but I'm pretty sure. I think like they wanted to cast Al Pacino uh, hey. as, but like, but uh, Evans was like, no, we want like like yeah. someone else, and so like, Evans hated Pacino. Oh, hugely, and like uh, the two people. So it took uh, Warren Beatty 
And then here's the next one, Robert fucking Redford turning it down to allow Al Pacino. Imagine the alternate reality where Robert the redhead Redford is fucking like, how does that even work? Like the 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 ultimate handsome wasp of 1970s cinema, Robert Redford. He he did just come off the sting, you know, Mm -hmm. that was mafia with a good score, you know, same time. Maybe I mean I I I can see baby a little bit more. I could like see that potentially have you have you guys seen shampoo? Yeah. That is my ultimate like what the fuck is up with Warren Beatty? Like I don't get shampoo and I will argue that for days. He's a stealth weirdo. I think Warren Beatty is like He's you, can a, make an argue, you can make an argument he's as weird as hell. He's a he's yes. an idiosyncratic actor. I mean, like, yeah. he, his choices are very... I, I like him a lot. I think he's really watchable because precisely because, like, I don't know what he's going to do. Oh, totally. But he was, like, such a sex symbol yeah. back in the day. And, like, I don't get... That's part of the reason I don't get shampoo is because he's such a sex symbol and it just... Nothing makes sense for me with that movie. <laughs> I will, hey. I will stop talking about it. But I will I'm, just, hey, I'm just sad that... The, we'll okay. have you... We'll, we'll definitely have you back... Because we'll, we're, we are going to discuss shampoo on one episode someday. Oh, we'll okay. have you back for that we'll one. We'll, we'll do, we'll that'd do be a great. Baby yeah. one day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would be. I'd be fascinated. Oh. Baby Brack. Baby Brack. And I love the. Um, I love the the way that rolls off the tongue. Oh, Baby Brack. Baby Brack. I, I was going to say, like, <laughs> hey, I'm just, uh, I'm just disappointed that uh, in Godfather Two, when they were getting grilled, there wasn't just a young Bullworth amongst the senators we could have had a young bullworth moment and he re-wraps he his rap. interrogation to uh <laughs> michael corleone i i haven't seen bullworth since it came out and but i remember when it came out it was one of those ones that i saw on uh-huh. hbo and i was like i like it i'm in i think i, I dig it I, I like what i like this movie and i haven't seen it since i'm sure it's much more cringy than it was to me in like 1998 but um i'll, I'll, I'll be i've only seen the the rapping only seen the rap of Bullworth. Only seen. Well, it's like, is that's, it? That's it, my Duncan That's my Duncan There's an entire generation, like Warren Beatty's generation, up to probably people like around my dad's age who are like in their late sixties or whatever, who would still to this day tell you that rap is a passing fad, mm-hmm. kind of an anomaly. And I'm like, Ooh, and, you know, you tell that I worked at a record store though. I'm like, you know, rap's been part of the public conscious for forty ish years yeah. like on the chart like i think it's it, it, it's here like i might as well call rock and roll a fad at that point too. but i'm sure people who like, are like the generation older than that would still say rock and roll is gonna go away at some point that was hands down my my grandfather who yeah. like like uh, he would have been as like 80s he was around today he swore the rock and roll was a fad oh, yeah. and, like fought it tooth and nail yeah oh uh, my like, mom tells stories about her parents like actively questioning the beatles in the in the oh, 60s yeah. you know and like i want to hold your hand what is that what he's talking about because he said it 17 times <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like it's like yeah like my grandpa my late grandpa charlie i'm pretty sure he only listened to like Ernest tub and like <laughs> <laughs> like like 50s like texas like big, country music. big band stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh man yeah i mean i imagine that the corleone family would say turn off that rolling stones racket because they're that age <laughs> that'd be uh, great i want to see <laughs> let's just have a scene where they cut to the future well, they're all gonna stuff. be like they're all gonna be like don draper when he listens to the beatles in that one episode of <laughs> Mad Men, just kind of confused by the entire thing <laughs> like, uh, but 
by the way, that reminds me of the one thing about Sicily we didn't bring up is mm-hmm. at Michael's wedding with the band just leading them around town. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you walk around Sicily is you just have like the, the band of the town just walks you and escorts you around town. And that's that's that really I think that that's neat. Bring it back. I, I, yeah, bring it back. Yeah. Let's do it in L.A. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll say rocks a fad if I get a band walk escorting me around town. I will happily do that. Yeah, if they're going to have to play some old timey traditional music from the old country just yeah. as we walk around yeah i'm into it like yeah. i'm going to albertson's and then there's a band ready to go playing exactly. like yeah it's like playing music that robert crumb would appreciate like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> steve steve buscemi in ghost world is hunting down the vinyl yeah like uh, i gotta put this on uh pulp or, or why not pulp wax gotta put this on wax jack white calls it too new <laughs> Uh, I will say, I'm not going to say, I'm, not, I'm trying to stop saying I will say, because I, I listened to an episode and I, I counted how many times I said I will say, and I think it was like a dozen. But uh, <laughs> this, this means it's now a drinking game for this yeah. episode, Ooh. just FYI. That's the fans, true. the fans yeah. want to know. If you, uh, if fans, if you're drinking every time I say I will say, be careful. That's all, that's, that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Be careful, be careful. Uh, but, uh. Uh, but uh, uh, I, the one thing I remember is like, did you ever watch that? Like, um, there's a documentary. It's like called Three Guitars or something like that. Uh, it might get loud. It might get uh, loud. Yeah. With it, with a edge. The, the metadata description is three guitars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus. Three guitars. Three guitars. <laughs> yeah. Jack White like makes uh. A guitar to like yeah. use dental floss and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, yeah, that's the one where I was like, Jack White, you lost me, bud. I like, I like, I like, <laughs> I still like your early albums. Like, you know, I love that music video where you're Lego. That's fun as hell. <laughs> Keep it up. Hey, do another one where it's Duplos. Let's let's have fun with it. Have fun with this concert. I um I had the chance to go to the new Amoeba location <gasps> yesterday, Ooh. and they were playing the White Stripes the entire time we were in there. Some brand and, for Amoeba. Very yeah, and yeah. I will say this: I had not listened to a lot of those tunes like closely. I was like, "Man, this is good. This is good stuff." It sounded like, great in the store. I, I love that. It's like, been a little while. Yeah, those first few out, like yeah, "Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground," like probably one of the better covers. Maybe? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it was the appropriate amoeba experience to have oh, the yeah. White Stripes blasting as we wandered around the crowded store. Just glad it wasn't freaking Animal Collective. Yeah. Well, you know what? They didn't. You know what they didn't have. What? I came in there specifically to buy a copy of the Criterion edition of Bong Joon-ho's new uh, film, Memor- Memories of Murder. Uh-huh. Sold out. So, I mean, but you wow. had everything, but you were sold yeah. out of memories on Blu-ray. But, and I was like, that's what I came here for. But but it's okay. It was, a, it was a great experience. We bought my daughter a uh, Amoeba onesie uh, with their logo, which, was, which is cute. Uh, it's a great logo. Really yeah. Good. My, that's good. My favorite vinyl store in LA is called Soundstations. It's near LAX. Mm-hmm. And it is literally like a hidden gem where these guys have been like owning the store since like the early 90s. And they're truly are. It's like punk. They love punk as their whole oh, like cool. vibe, like LA punk. And, but it's just like, they so know their shit. And you go up to the front counter and they just will, they're, they're not elitist about it. In, I mean, to a degree. Um, but like they will genuinely like help you out and oh, that's awesome i love that and like they'll sell d like the, the way they like sell they sell things super cheap where it's like you never get like a new dvd because for some reason all the dvds that you buy were already opened and mm-hmm. like copied i don't know but it's you get a great deal so nice uh, maybe i have to go there for memories of murder 
Yeah, um, I, I've been. Yeah, the only thing I've been listening to music lives lately is uh, MU three three zero. Just like weird, just like ska. <laughs> ska. Just like weird ska, like old ska. I don't know why. I'm just in a ska hole right now. Uh, S- seventh wave ska. Yeah. Um, Not saying which wave of ska. It's yeah. very important. <laughs> yeah. 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 Twelve. Uh, you were. Um, but I, I think you were alluding to, interestingly enough, with the um, to go back to the Redford Beatty. Yeah. Was um, <laughs> basically uh, Robert Evans. He had to cast James Caan as Sonny if he was going to cast yes. Al Pacino. Yes, that's a, yeah. That was interesting. It. That was, okay. Yeah. Which is wild. It makes you wonder: a, what would uh, what who would have played that role? Like, would he have just found like an, uh, you know, just a, a kind of another no-name actor? Would that have been De Niro? Like, uh, well, the only issue is De Niro is actually younger than Pacino. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, I think De Niro could have easily played Sonny. Mm-hmm. It would have been different. It, definitely it would have been, been different, different though. Yeah. I, I, I love James. Hey, oh, James Conn rules. I love James Conn. I love it. He uh, he's, is, he, is he Italian? No, but is he good? <laughs> yes. He's very good. Uh, and then, he's got uh, he's hair, got those amazing shoulders. So, shoulders, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. The, no, that, that, the shoulders will never go out of style, but his yeah. hair is so early 70s pretty boy that like i love it oh it rules it he definitely just... told coppola too like um i'm not cutting my hair this is yeah. how it's going in <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have this cool dude hair i just <laughs> i just read too that I know apparently it's not weird appropriate but it's what i'm doing yeah apparently on godfather 3 pacino showed up with shoulder length hair <gasps> and francis coppola's like um we're gonna need you to cut your hair and you're, you're Michael, so like yeah. a kind of high and tight gray hair. <laughs> and he's like, "No, I think, I think Michael has got long hair now." And they had a big fight over, <laughs> over, okay. Okay. over Michael's hair. Uh, should have gone longer. They should have just have him have a Hagrid beard. That's what I, I, I mean, I, we've talked about it before, but the pure joy in behind the scenes, like um, making of interviews with Al Pacino on dvds where mm-hmm. you see the real al pacino where he's wearing like shirts that are like four buttons to open on his chest with like gold chains and he's got his bad goatee and super oh, long man. hair and big sunglasses and he just shows up you're like man you live you just are living your life like at all times you are the consummate art artist actor weirdo and i celebrate you oh yeah no it's it's good as hell it's good. It's oh god. It's he just rocks. like yeah, four buttons. It's like oh god with the chain. It's like oh man. It's like just like it's like basically my mom's grand. My mom, my other grandpa. I love it. I love it. Al Pacino, you have good grandpa energy. We respect. Yeah, um, he's yeah. I mean yeah, he wouldn't be dirty grandpa. He'd be weird grandpa. Oh yeah, he'd be, no, he wouldn't even be <laughs> peculiar grandpa. Like yeah. odd, like you know, this is like a maybe like he'd be like a grandpa that was in like what's that movie where like there's a bunch of like trolls and stuff hiding in the house and it's yeah like, you know he you know he'd be like one of these guys like um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say mr begorium yeah but <laughs> yeah oh hell yeah he he would definitely have an emporium al pacino yeah. would 100 <laughs> he, he does strike me as a guy who's like we gotta go to grandpa's house i don't want to do that it's weird but then they go there and they find out he's got like he's built an invention that sends them back to like i don't know medieval times <laughs> yeah, or this like. is remind me like dustin hoffman has had a very similar up and down wacko career as mm-hmm. al pacino and have the two been in a film together that i do not know oh. off the top of my head and i want it to be so um i educated like my off the top of my head is no but they also um 
you know, we talked to they they were up for all the same parts. Oh, totally, yeah. And you know, I like the yeah. You know, we talked well, about even on the, the imagine the graduate starting out. Chino, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I think sick. he. I think in like 19. I think he would have been able to do it, but it would have been interesting. Yeah. It, was a, it was a similar story where it's like mm. the studio didn't want him he got to get fucked like so they both had the first like movie breakthrough in a similar way and so, yeah. both like lo- total lunatics in their own right yeah but we, we we told that story on the angels in america episode that uh when they were when they had cast um al pacino as roy Cohn, that tony kushner was at some party and he felt a tap on his shoulder he turned around and like dustin hoffman shoves him and yelled, Al Pacino's fucking Jewish? And then like, stormed out. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Because I it's think... like, it's like, it's like looking at that, like, okay, age range? Correct. Need a good actor? Correct. Roy Cohen? Need a Jewish actor? Correct. And you're going with Al Pacino. <laughs> great. <laughs> Man, here's my controversial. Statement. I think he's great though as Roy Cohn. We, we oh said yeah, it on no, that he's episode. oh yeah. yeah, no, he's like yeah, he's the king as Roy Cohn, and he's to- like yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm Jewish. He, I'll, I I personally say it's cool as hell. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, I also he dons a bar mitzvah and I I'm I'm now I'm now, now in man. I'm now, in. <laughs> you're now a man in the Jewish faith. Welcome to the club. <laughs> If, it, if, I, if I had only known it was that easy all along, I would have dove in a lot sooner. All you gotta do is either memorize a Torah portion or, or have, have Patrick tell me so. Yeah, or have Patrick that. tell you so. Yeah, I have a. Uh, but uh. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, you're it. You're in. <laughs> welcome to. The, I was gonna say welcome to the. Not gonna say that joke. That's yeah. a bad yeah. joke. Uh, not gonna say that joke. Uh, but uh. But uh. Um. I was going to say that uh, I would argue that I feel like Al Pacino can do Dustin Hoffman roles, and I don't know if Dustin Hoffman can do Al Pacino roles. That's my oh. thing. That's my big... But I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah. I, although, that being said, like uh, Dustin Hoffman's really good in Papillon, and I don't know if Austin... Ho- Austin almost called him Austin Powers, Jesus Christ, Al Pacino. <laughs> Well, here's here's a here's a here's a here's a uh, here's a street swap for you, Patrick. Yes, I got a good street swap. Give it to Al Pacino me. is in Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman is in Scent of a Woman. Oh, the- you can't do. You can't. I don't. I don't. I, I think wanna- it works. I think it works. No, I think it works. Work. No, yeah, think it works. Be, they be better movies. Yeah, they okay, be better movies. I hear I'm. You know what? You're Phineas Fogg. I'm the, the British upper crust. I need to see you go around the world in 80 days, brother. I don't know. <laughs> I, need, I need to see the get. You gotta, you gotta get that hot air balloon going. I don't know. This, oh man. I can't, I can't see Dustin Hoffman recreating the madness that is like that final Lieutenant scene. Colonel Frank Slade, yeah, where he's just like <laughs> screaming and like all the like, <laughs> that movie. Yes, that movie should have ended with all the kids picking up. <laughs> they should have. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh man, we are already like it took us like way more episodes to get this freaky in the street season and we're already <laughs> oh, here. Oh, we're already here. Yeah, we're all like <laughs> tired, broken men. <laughs> um, <laughs> we should like... we should talk though about um Pacino's performance oh, in, this, yeah. in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what the, we, the whole podcast. But um is about. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Patrick, did you read um 
the Godfather section in Karina Longworth's book. Yes, I did. Uh, very, very interesting, very compelling stuff. We've already brought up. It's a very good book. She seems to be, for someone who wrote an entire book about Pacino, a bit of a Pacino skeptic. And um, but she brought up she basically says that Michael Corleone and Al Pacino's performance as Michael is the greatest performance in like a blockbuster franchise history. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was curious. I mean, I was I was brainstorming a little bit earlier, but I wonder what either of you think. I, I, I don't think that that is that far off of an argument. Like, it seems like pretty seems like hyperbole at first, but then you're like, oh, and the more you think about it, you're like, he's, it's quite a, it is quite a performance and it's quite an arc for this character. So I, I don't know if you have any thoughts, but I, I tend to almost agree with her. Uh, uh, do you want to go first, uh, Courtney? Because I, I have, I have some thoughts actually, you know, I'll, I'll just say, uh, uh, or do you actually, you, you go, let me, let, let me compile, I need to compile my <laughs> dumb, my dumb baby thoughts. <laughs> um, he's like so boss I, baby. I was- I will say this, doing doing the rewatch of Godfather, specifically looking at like, okay, Al Pacino's performance, like which one is stronger? Where was it? Mm-hmm. I found it because the movies are so good at so many levels. I just found it really, really hard to just like try to like isolate the perf- like acting performance from like everything else. Yeah. And specifically oh, with, yeah. with the original Godfather, he, like Michael Corleone's story, like plot is so good. He goes through all the layers of development to come into like evil Godfather, and the thing is like, oh yeah, he's not that part. I'm like, wait, but do I think that because now he's dressed in black and it's coded, he turned evil? Like, and, and I'm like, just trying to like, like strip away all the great filmmaking just to see what the acting performance is. And so I could I could go on for days trying to say like okay what was like the filmmaking that was making me believe this was great acting versus it being great acting. That said, it is hard to act in a great production. So yes, he knocks it out of the park. Um, but so I thought originally because of the story arc he has in Godfather One, mm-hmm. obviously that's my my choice of like the stronger performance. It's a better story arc. But then rewatching two, and I'm gonna admit. The rewatching two actually just fast forward through all the Al Pacino scene. I'm not sorry, not the Al Pacino scene, the Robert De Niro scenes, just because I'm like, okay, I can do a shortcut. It's the movie will only be an hour and a half instead of three hours. <laughs> totally it's fair. Actually totally two- fair. Yeah. Um, but by the way, don't do that. Totally ruins. Oh the yeah, movie. watch the movie. Yeah, there's there, many, there, yeah. There's too many jumps. But the thing is, like, when you do that and you skip all the like the veto scenes, like when you come back to like Michael Corleone, I'm like wait, what's going on? That's too much of a jump. I'm not ready for this. So it's like, I thought it would make more sense than it did. It does not. Um, mm. You need those Vita scenes. But it's he, his, his character arc has less of an arc in two. Um, he's already like evil head family boss the whole time through and like slowly plotting murdering Fredo. Fredo. Um, where you get the beautiful kiss of death in Cuba. Um, you get... And then also the thing that's so juicy and golden is like him and Kay's wedding like yeah. falling apart and the whole abortion Ooh. confession. Oh man. And that that lip quiver is just like so fucking golden. Mm. And the fact that like he can like say so much without saying so much is like it's a, it's a it's a tough one i so, yeah. yeah i'm i'm not, i'm on the fence so that that lip quiver or the the abortion wasn't wasn't originally in the script and i think that was like talia shire shire sheer sheer 
Shire, uh, I believe. Shire. Talia Shire's idea. And then as a thank you for giving that idea, Francis Ford Coppola gave her that additional scene where he begs... Uh, oh, begs, for Fredo's. Yeah, to forget Fredo. That was like a thank you that he gave to uh, Talia. That was like, you're going to get another scene in the movie for giving me the, the idea of the abortion instead of... Because originally it was a miscarriage. Um, Which ju- just doesn't carry the same weight. Oh, no, the abortion's all. like... that. That's, that is so like... Yeah, maybe one of the most like intense, like it's so heavy. That's but the idea, is, you know, how could she reach him? Yeah, and, it, and what it requires is an opera, almost operatic level, like tragic, you know, yeah, like heightening. Well, and boy, I mean, and you're you're absolutely right. The way that he reacts in that, I mean, and if you think about like later, Pacino. Like the, uh, he's never, he's, that's he never would have done that. Yeah. 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 That, that level of like simmering quiet. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just doesn't do it anymore. And I think in the book, Karina Longworth basically makes it very clear. She feels that that is the best side of him. Oh. Um, that the kind of heightened, always at a crescendo side of Pacino's performance just doesn't, they, it's just too hammy. Mm. Right. Um, and yeah, and he does. This is, I think, in both these films, and you know, we'll get maybe we'll just get to the stats in Godfather 2 in just a moment here, so we can kind of these two are un- unlike some of the other movies we've discussed, it's very easy to bounce back and forth. Oh, yeah, between them. So we maybe just combine the conversation, yeah, we're, between the two point, films. Yeah. So we are, oh, yeah. but um, but um, this is this is these two movies definitely to me feel like he's embodying the character a lot more than it's Al Pacino doing something that we've seen a lot before. Right. Like it's, and we're not watching the actor we're watching a character, which is kind of, I mean, is the, is the goal at the end of the day when you're an actor, but um, it's kind of remarkable how hard, especially when you're a movie star that becomes because people just get to know you as you know, you, the movie star. And, He's he's Michael Corleone in these two movies. He's not Al Pacino, and that's pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, and I. It's interesting because you brought up the uh, hammy Al Pacino, like you know the the bigger, more emotive Al Pacino. Uh, you know, Karina kind of like doesn't appreciate that as much as the uh, more subdued Pacino. And um, you know, and I love I love me some Hammy Pacino. Give me give me Sandable Woman Pacino any day of the week. You know, I love <laughs> I love that I love goofball Pacino. I love I, uh, my one of my favorite Pacinos. We all know Vincent Hanna Heat. Oh yeah, oh so good. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the all time Pacines. Uh, yeah, but, uh, a sweet Pacine. But uh, uh, sweet Pacine. A sweet Pacine. Yeah, but uh, uh, I think that like. There is this like aspect of Al Pacino's acting where it's almost like he has like a cheat code for entertaining acting, and mm-hmm. that's like him just like going like it's like it's like it's like the equivalent of doing like the Konami code or whatever, where like he can instantly make a movie entertaining just by doing his like you know classic Al Pacino bits. And I think there is like a point in his career where he found that out, and like I'm not saying he relied on it necessarily, and like you know, and it's not like. I'm probably being a little because you look at stuff like Angels in America, for example, and he's like being like crazy and heightened, but it's still like really heartfelt. Oh, yeah, and, and like 
how many people do crazy eyes better than he does oh like, no one else like yeah but uh but i think like what's uh incredible about his performance in the godfather is it is so like especially like in the first one there is like this level the, the subtlety is just like there there, totally and, there. and it's yeah. and it's and it's so like with any other act like with so many other actors it would be you'd be bored because you'd just be looking at a guy kind of staring into the distance and you're like what the like what the fuck am I supposed to you know like what does he think you he, he he's able to make like uh you get a real sense that he's thinking of stuff like there's 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 changes in his like you know physicality perhaps like subtle ones um and he's able to like emote and evoke like you know changes in his personality without like um going to these crazy distances that he's gone in future films like i guess like i think about like the scene that i like like uh, that speaks out to me the most in um the first godfather movie is when he visits like his father in like the hospital and he doesn't like there's a version of that movie where he's like wailing or crying and like you know it's very heightened and big uh, there's a version of the movie where it's probably like far more distant, but I think he has like this, like this, just the, the right amount of like, it's like reality. And then also just like, he's like a dude who gets shit done. Well, he's, he's chilly, but he's alive. Yeah. Still. Like the, it's not like, because like when he yells, cause he does yell mm-hmm. in both in yeah. particular too, but his they're all very like pointed and meaningful like when it's it, yeah. the scene with k at the end of part two but i mean the one i always think about is um where they're in cuba and they go to let's say like a strip club or a dance hall type thing yeah and uh he finds out fredo knows uh johnny mm-hmm. and it's like a shot and we're on fredo and we're on the crew enjoying themselves and michael's just off in the background and he just puts his hands to his face Oh, and yeah. that is like more powerful than Pacino going, oh, well, I've been betrayed by my brother, you know, like yeah. he would do in like any, more newer any, any other movie, yeah, yeah. including the rom coms, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, so when he puts his hand to his face, you're like, oh, that means so much because Michael doesn't do stuff, and when he crumbles just a little, it, it has extra meaning to oh, yeah. it, and he does it through both these movies uniformly all the way through and i did read too that he struggled with um this was only godfather was only his um was it third movie yeah yeah it was only his third movie and kind of the maintaining the consistency of that level of attitude and behavior in the way you shoot a movie which is things are out of order things you know you gotta like he said it was very hard he was up at like four in the morning every day trying to like just get himself in the zone. Okay, like this is where it is in this movie. You have to like oh, find this spot again. Like you've changed as this movie way, has gone on. Incredible Italian when he speaks in, in like like that's another thing. But a lot of actors could never pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like did but, he learn Italian for the film? I don't know. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> he, he he just feels um, he feels completely authentic. It doesn't feel phony at all. Like yeah. like I, we God bless him. But James Conn feels like he's playing a little like tough guy dress up. Oh yeah, hell yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, which is fine. He's still great. But Al Pacino feels like, and same with Cazale, and same with Duvall. They seem mm-hmm. there. 
like they're just present. They're part of it. They're playing these guys. I mean, and before we move on to Godfather Part Two, we should really briefly mention. I don't think we've said his name, Marlon Brando. Oh um, yeah, you've oh, <laughs> heard of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of lo- looming okay. large over the entire proceedings. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. so weird and funny. In the and this time around, yes. I was like laughing at everything he was doing because it was like he's supposed to be like this, like all-encompassing, like shadow figure. He's such a weird goofball yes. in almost yeah. every scene he's in. <laughs> it is like such a bonkers. Like there are so many things about this movie that, um, like, and uh, in, in some ways, I actually love them. It's almost like it's like you know how like people love like artists for like their little flaw. Like you know, you appreciate the little flaws as much as you appreciate like the great work of art that that painting is or whatever. Like I. I, I I don't know there was something about for example like the james con like when he was beating up uh geo man uh, yeah the, 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 the yeah that the the, the um the, the brother-in-law the brother-in-law who bad uh. person bad dude but like the, the the actual like choreographing of that scene there was one moment where uh i have a picture of it somewhere I, i'll try to find it he's later, whiffing on a punch oh yeah it's yeah. so like it's such a like it's so clear that like he's like four inches the thing about it is though is that there are stories that um on the ones that he hit he like beat the shit out of the guy like broke his ribs really (laughs) yeah he's a powerful guy jimmy con don't mess with him (laughs) i would not want to yeah i would not want to uh be attacked by james con i do not want to yeah that would not be fun by by mr slither going back to just like the subtlety and the nuance in the performance um to contrast that with probably one of the most emotive characters of first godfather one of my favorite characters mo green Mm -hmm. is just like mo green is just so over the top larger than life like very expressive and he he comes across as a clown doing that so Mm -hmm. like the whole style of this movie like like demanded that like the winner of it has to just have that nuance and like i've tried acting doing that i can't do it to save my life it is so freaking hard um and maybe it's hard to appreciate without feeling it trying to do it i don't know i think it's um green's amazing i think it's kind of hard because um it's hard to register especially if you're like a stage actor or maybe an improviser or something like um what kind of reaction you're getting if you're constantly like keeping things at like a low hum and making like real subtle moves like like if you make a big move you can feel like an audience reaction to it because it's big and it's like getting like you know you're getting the response that you desire and it's like Al Pacino I'm sure when he watches Godfather one or two now he's like oh I made the right moves but in the moment I'm sure he was full of insecurity and like is this is this working is this hitting at all like and that's where Coppola comes in to kind of like hold his hand and tell you, me you, doing yeah, a they, job. Have, they have to trust each other because the whole thing is like when you're being filmed versus being on stage like the cameras in your face capturing everything and if you're only used to being on stage we're like they can't see what you're doing with your face you got to start using your body and like doing bigger larger life stuff you would never do in person that it's just like you have to trust the ca- cameras capturing the smallest thing and that's enough yeah, yeah. There's a funny story, a uh, totally different movie, but uh, on the set of Caddyshack, um, yeah, Roddy da- R- Dangerfield, yeah, another another classic, and it's yeah. all right. But uh, Roddy, da- Roddy Dangerfield's doing his entire thing, 
and he comes up to the one of the guys, Denenzio, the caddy, and he goes, "Kid, I'm, he's like covered his face, he's like, "Kid, I'm dying out here." He's like, and he's like, "No, they're not. It's a movie. You're not in a comedy club. They're not supposed to laugh. Like they're gonna laugh." <laughs> <laughs> later on but he didn't he, he was expecting laughs from all of his like lines and he wasn't getting laughs because it's a movie and right. yeah and he was just um he was really sweating it like oh, not like think, thinking he was bombing basically totally because it was his first movie and he didn't know how kind movies of the, yeah, what how right. the movies worked right. um but uh let's jump into the godfather 2 uh released 1974 so only two years after the first Godfather. Coppola is at his. Um, I mean, he's just hitting home runs. Oh, you know, yeah. just, yeah. just he's yeah. just rocking and rolling. And he, you know, they had a lot more faith in him in this production, so they let him. I mean, they released a three and a half hour movie where half the movie is in a different Italian. language. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and in completely kind of like the connections require kind of us like watching it with a careful eye in terms of the veto storyline and the michael storyline and how they connect i mean one thing i noticed is that um once michael is born in the veto storyline uh de niro's carrying him in almost every single shot the baby or child michael is in and the other kids walk and i was like oh that's interesting that he's like got him that close even right. from the start like it's just these like nice touches that you have to kind of like watch the movie closely which is beautiful and i wish that current movies would ask their audiences ask of their audiences a little bit more of this effort because i think it's really rewarding to kind of like oh, i see what they're doing there they're building it up but um directed by francis ford coppola screenplay by francis ford coppola and mario puzo again based on mario puzo's books um Budget at thirteen million dollars, which I imagine in nineteen seventy four money was. Uh, it's an expensive movie. Expensive uh, made somewhere between forty eight to eighty eight million, which seems. Um, and I have a feeling that's because of the length, and it's a it is a more complex and difficult movie. There isn't as many like leave the gun, take the cannoli moments yeah. in The Godfather too. It's a heavier, sadder. It's a sad movie. It's just a very sad movie. Um, the film, as I skim through my pages here, um, the initial was actually divided, interestingly enough, critical reaction to the film. And I have a feeling it's because of the um, kind of depth and new, and, you know, kind of just scope that they're going for with the film. I have a feeling you probably had your critics who were saying it was very self-indulgent and a director taking all of the toys and doing everything, but hell man, let's see more of that. I'm up for it. I, 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 I'm up for it, but it's, it has, it currently has a 96 approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, drawing on strong performances by Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, Francis Ford Coppola's continuation of Mario Puzo's Mafia Saga set new standards for sequels that have yet to be matched or broken. Interesting, interesting, interesting. This is again over ten Academy Award nominations. Yeah. Uh, nominated for Best Original Dramatic Score. Guess what, Patrick? This time, baby, it won. It oh, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't revoked. It's a god. It's yeah. uh, nominated for Best Costume Design. Nominated for Best Art Direction, which it won. 
nominated for best adapt adapt yes absolutely nominated for best adapted screenplay which it won nominated for best supporting actress talia shire nominated in for three best supporting actor nominations lee strasberg michael v gazzo and robert de niro who won uh nominated for best actor al pacino nominated who did not win uh, nominated for Best Director, Francis Ford Coppola, who won, and nominated for Best Picture, which it won. Um, this one kind of took them all. <laughs> for lack of, you know, if, if we were saying that the first one didn't win as many, this one um, this one kind of swept, swept, yep. swept, swept them all. Um, and, you know, I'll just say, I think rightfully so. I don't um, even know what it was up against, but uh, it's hard to imagine another movie having this level of... Um, scope combined with real grounded intense human emotion mm-hmm. and all within the context of an actually quite entertaining story like the three and a half hours doesn't it's not slow comparably to like some epic films uh patrick you said this was your first watch so i'm curious yeah. what uh what you thought it's like it's pretty it's an it's an impressive film it's kind of nuts it does feel like a it's wild to me how it does feel like two movies sort of intercut with each other, but they play off each other in such a way that it's, um, it's like if you're ever, if you're feeling a little tired of Michael Corleone, well, just in time, he knows <laughs> here and you get to watch a guy with his uh, jacket on his shoulders, uh, inspecting fruit. Like, you know, you, lo- <laughs> you, you love to see it. You love to see it. And they're in like, uh, oranges. Yep, and I and I think there are like a, it's funny like there aren't like as many like uh, cannoli moments in the second one. It's much darker, but you still have a couple like uh, like uh, one of my pre my previous background was like a a young Clemente meeting uh, Vito, and uh, for for like holding Clemente's guns, Vito's like, yeah, I'll get you a rug, and it just turns into them like stealing a rug from some random house. <laughs> and it's such a weird it's like the, the it's like the tail of the rug caper like it's like a fun little uh, uh although should, it almost should, beca- yeah oh, oh yeah i mean we should bring up too that um you know we were reading doing a little background that um frank pentangeli that entire mm-hmm. subplot that was supposed to be the clemenza character in the from the first film yeah, richard. uh uh richard um Castellano. Castellano. Man, we uh, he's so good good in the first film. I mean, very incredibly memorable. But um, him and Abe Vigoda. Some controversy there, apparently. And his widow has um, vehemently denied this. But um, supposedly he came to Coppola and said he wanted to write his own dialogue for the second film or he wouldn't do it. And Coppola was like, Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's, you that's don't really, say that to Coppola. You, you not, not, not 1973, 1974 yeah. Coppola. You don't. Man, Richard, <laughs> um, that's like, I'm not going to, I respect the, the balls. It would have, it would have, though, made, I mean, I think that storyline really works. He was nominated, Gazzo was nominated for an Academy Award. I think he's terrific oh, he's in so the good. part. Uh, but it really would have been interesting to kind of tie all the stories together at that level if it had been the Clemenza character in that position yeah because that's the thing too is i feel like Clement, he is also like i feel like richard castellano is like the one i'd say he's like maybe him maybe 
Al Ledieri. Like I really like his. I like. As, yeah, me too. As, as the uh, as the rival. Galazzo. Yes, oh, he's so good. Yeah, I like him uh, too. Uh, but uh, I feel like Richard Castellano is like uh, one of the roles that uh, should have been nominated, perhaps. Honestly, even Tessio, like Abe Magoda has some really strong moments towards the end. Because at first, he's kind of not that much of a character. He's like kind of like the lurch of like the <laughs> of the uh, the Godfather. But then like he when he kind of does the double cross in the end. Or it's, the, it's the final scene when they take him away and they realize Ooh. and he realizes he's being taken away. Like yep. the kind of matter of fact quality to it is really exciting and fun to watch. And I like, like he's been around the block enough yep. to know, oh, well, whoopsie doopsie, I'm in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 donk, I donked it. I really, yeah. I really biffed it here. It, uh, it's, it, it's so, um, yeah, there's, there's so much depth to it. And then, you know, we should mention um, a new addition to the Godfather 2 cast, Lee Strasberg as oh, Hyman yeah. Roth. Lee Strasberg, of course, yeah. the acting teacher to all of these people. <laughs> and kind of invented, the, brought the method uh, acting form that they all made famous to America, uh, which makes his casting kind of a coy, fun choice. And he's he's really terrific and kind of inventing the um, the guy who the benevolent psycho mobster, which co- comes up in almost every um, mob movie, made sense of like, oh, he's kind of a sweet old man, but. Oh no, he's a utter monster oh, who's who's might boy. be the worst out of all of them. <laughs> you know, yeah, a, a, class, a, a now classic character, kind of defined by the Hyman Roth character. Um, but yeah, I, I when we were watching it, my wife just like toward the end, she was like, "This movie's so sad." I was like, "I think that might be the difference." Is like it doesn't capture the mob highs and the fun times and like making pasta kind yeah. of fun stuff that the first one does. Like it's all bleak yeah because like yeah even like yeah see, i feel like yeah clement if there is like a character that's sort of like not a comic relief but like a like a kind of like a fun side character that you're sort of like uh i don't know i would i don't know what you would call it but like you know kind of like a fun goof although that lightens the mood well, it's like, like the scene in goodfellas where they go through the restaurant and he's naming everybody you got marco red shoes and yeah tony meatballs and you know yeah. all the all those guys like those kind of characters yeah tim oh, yeah. hot dogs yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's greg uh bread <laughs> <laughs> the only waspy guy yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not a mafia name greg yeah, that's uh that's <laughs> played lacrosse at stanford <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's tim uh water but uh but uh the lamest mom that's uh there's a uh, there's bartek go give me a cigar yeah you know? <laughs> alfred uh butter pad pad of butter uh but uh no but like i guess like yeah like there isn't like even like the even like the lighter characters in this like the like the the michael go uh Penta jelly Pantagelli, yeah, Pantagelli, like, yeah. he, he's, like, you get, like, a bunch of his, like, fun life, like, you get, you get, like, in the very beginning, you get, like, his, like, zest for life, like, the part where, like, he's, like, you know, uh, telling, like, the, uh, do Italian music or whatever, like, the, he tells, like, the, yeah, and, like, uh. Well, he first comes off as kind of, like, the sloppy guy. 
yeah in the crew but the character is given more to do than just be kind of the you know sloppy guy that's true yeah and, it, and, it, and it's like and it's dark and sad like it's like yeah like and it would have been yeah just like the idea of like if that had been clemente that character how much more not that he like and he's great in that role deserves the oscar nomination if that had been Clemente, just how much more uh, half that would have given that performance in that role had it been him almost murdered yeah, and him betraying. Yeah, because we got to know him in the yeah. first one. And this was a new character. So it's kind of like, okay, we're getting like, like God bless it. Like every season of The Sopranos, they would bring in kind of the villain oh, of yeah. the season. And it's like, okay, so we got to like figure out what their deal is. Then how are they going to be challenged, Tony, and then kind of be dispatched yeah, I don't think by the t- end of the season? I don't think this Tim Bread guy is going to last that long. <laughs> Tim Bread. Yeah. I don't think this Tim Bread guy is going to make it. <laughs> Greg season. Water. Greg Water. I don't think Tim Bread and Greg Water are going to make it to season four. These aren't even good mafia they're played, they're, they're played by like Chris Parnell and Will Forte. <laughs> yeah, Will Forte. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think this... Uh, Literally three minutes of screen time before they get shot. Yeah. I don't think this, yeah, I don't think this uh, this New He's Jersey gonna... mobster played by a young Paul Walter Hauser is going to make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, um, it's, it is like kind of like Coppola, his ideas in this film are really big and vast, kind of about like the American dream and the immigration process all the way through the curdling of all of it in Michael and his storyline and it's it's he's biting off a lot it's very ambitious and it's mm-hmm. it's just so impressive to me so i was gonna this kind of reminds me i had um i've not read a lot about this idea and i was i was wondering what you all thought um it, it, it doesn't seem like it's come up a lot in michael's story but um his war experiences i keep thinking about them and having a profound effect on his callousness and his chilliness totally well, I was thinking about that. We we're talking about how patient he was and just not saying it out loud. So thank you. Um, but it's, there's that whole thing about like the guys who do well in war, are the ones who don't panic and like they, they're, they're patient and they're, mm-hmm. and that totally like it justifies his whole, whole approach to everything of having gone through war. Um, Cause that's how you make it in the long run is you've, just you don't react right away you wait for the right move Mm -hmm. and Um, if you and if people consider you a war hero that generally means you've either killed a bunch of people or saw a bunch of your friends killed and like saved the day at the last minute and either of those would have a profound effect and 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 i think um another thing to take into account maybe they weren't talking about the effects of war ptsd and like world war ii era but this movie came out at the height of the vietnam era and yeah. I have a, and I, it has to be telling that Godfather 2 ends with the scene where he announces he's going to war. And like that had to have meant something more to um, Coppola other than like, it's it, like, I know that a lot of people felt it's like, oh, it's Michael trying to embrace his individuality and escape the family and stuff like that. But I'm like, I don't know. I think there's, there's a connection there that runs yeah. a lot deeper that uh, perhaps they didn't weren't considering as much in the seventies or certainly not in the world war two era of what war does to people. But um, I think it, yeah, had a profound effect on Michael. Oh yeah. Just the whole like going to war just changes people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
100%. Because I don't know if you all at the opening scene where they go to the wedding, like I know a lot of people talk about like, oh, Michael's kind of the outsider. I'm like, he seems kind of crazy or at least like off already. Yeah. In the opening wedding scene, the first film, especially the way he easily talks about the violence in the family. Like he's so nonchalant. So carefree about it. Yeah. 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 Even though he's like, hey, it's not me. It's them. It's like, what do you think of the lasagna in the next sentence? And it's very clear. Like it doesn't affect him. And the look on Diane Keaton's face and Diane Keaton, who I, I, we all love, everybody loves Diane Keaton. And she um, has an incredible performance as Kay. Unbelievable. It's wild that like, yeah, yeah, the Diane Keaton did not get nominated, but uh, Talia Shire, who are you? Although Talia Shire, great in Godfather 2, has, I feel like she doesn't have as much to play with as Diane Keaton. Well, she gets the two scenes though. She gets the one toward the top where she goes with her new boyfriend. And yeah. then the one at the end that you said was a... That's a really good a thank you. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's I mean, they're a little showier, although, I mean, Diane Keaton's scene where... I mean, the, the scene where she tells him about the abortion is, God, the, is the linchpin emotional scene. I mean... That's an atom bomb, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm seriously, like, take that and compare it to, like, the opening scene in Kramer versus Kramer about... And it's just been like, Ooh. this is just hands down better. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I love Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, that's a big yeah. Because that was a big that was a big uh, that was a big reason why people voted for Kramer versus Kramer was that beginning. Exactly. So that's mm-hmm. a big, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also brings me back to something our guest on the Kramer versus Kramer doubt episode, Karina Wolf, said about um, kind of acting early in your career. I wanted to bring this up earlier: acting early in your career and then having the moves down later on. And she was saying like Meryl Streep is more open, more present in Kramer versus Kramer, even though in doubt. Her performance is very like technically on point. She's hitting everything. It's like no, but she's kind of knows the moves in the same way that Pacino knows his good moves right. in his later career performances. Right. It's just Meryl Streep's aren't as um, flashy, bon- bonkers. Yeah, Ooh, flashy yeah. bonkers. Yeah, no, no, but they can be. They but they can be. They can be. Yeah. They sh- hey, I, there should, yeah. there should be a Streep Pacino. We've talked about this. We talked about a Jack and Jill 2 sequel where yeah. they did a Jacques and what was it? What was their idea? Like, J- J- Jack, Jill, and Jacques. And Jacques, yeah. We're yeah. like, yeah, there's a French one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think he's um I, I just think what he does in the second one is um it's pretty astounding because he's taking a character who is on paper and on the surface a real difficult character to be asked to spend three and a half hours oh, with, with yeah. and he's you can't take your eyes off of him you want to know what he's going to do you want to know what moves he's going to make he when in the moments he does show emotion that and it just helps you like feel like oh this means something mm-hmm. when he's doing it here um and compared to i mean you know thinking about robert de niro across the way in the other storyline and how they're acting off of each other in a weird way. Yeah. Which we wouldn't see again till Heat. It's just, I, it's a hell of a movie. This is, I hadn't seen it in a few years. Godfather 2 is a hell of a movie. Oh, it is, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, it's interesting. Do you think the scope of Godfather 2 feels as big as Godfather 1, or does it feel bigger to you? Does it feel like a bigger, does it feel like a, a film that's bigger? Because I feel like one thing I liked about Godfather 1, and I don't know if I had it as much in the second one, 
perhaps just because it's a sequel and inherently like a sequel like relies on like you know it's it, it, it can't be something in itself you know what i mean it can't just be like a piece of art in itself like there's something about godfather one where like it's just uh it feels like it's trying to say so many things and there are so many characters. I guess like, it's just like the, like, ah, but you know what? I take it back. Cause like, I think about like Fredo dying in the end of Godfather. Cause I was going to talk about how like the end with Marlon mm-hmm. Brando just died. Like that's such an, a crazy ending. It just ends with like Marlon Brando having a fucking heart attack in front of his kid. Okay, So <clears throat> uh, Marlon Brando's death or Fredo's death, which one do you think cinematically was like stronger? Ooh, Fredo. I, yeah. uh, I said oh, that I'm, very fast. But. Wow. See, I, say, <laughs> I, say, I, say, I say Brando. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. Cause it's like, it's so, it's so grim. It's just like, uh, like the, the cross cutting between the wide shot of the boat and then that shot of Michael looking out the window of the lake house. Mm-hmm. And the Hail Marys. Yeah. I, and after have... mentioning it earlier, like planting that narrative seed yeah. to yeah. Uh, Anthony. Yeah. yeah. I see, I, mean, I guess like, I just see like that, like uh, for me, it's like the, it's just, there's something so, cause like with Fredo, I think part of it is like with Fredo, you see it coming sort of like, you're like, yeah, Fredo's definitely- Of course you do. He yeah, got the kiss of death. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. gonna die. Like, he's coming. Oh yeah, he's dying. He's gonna die. But like with, um, I guess like with like Brando, like it's so, there's something- but I feel, th- like, I feel like no, you you totally saw it coming with uh, Marlon Brando because they set up very early on what the orange oranges represent and mean. Mm-hmm. And as soon as True. you know, you're like, you know, Michael's going to take over the family. You know, that's where it's going. That's what the mm-hmm. story is about. Um, at least as soon as Sunny Sunny passes away, that you yeah. that's a dead giveaway. That's where we're going. So right. it's like, how does the Godfather pass away? And you think it's going to be like horrible and violent and knowing that it's just like as soon as you see him around the oranges and knowing it's gonna be something as simple as a heart attack um something that's so family so relatable is like and it's it's mirrored in um spoiler alert we haven't talked about it it's mirrored in the godfather part three as well Uh, in in the michael's ultimate uh, moment it's like coppola decides to put these guys for all of their glory it's almost like robert de niro in the wheelchair at the end of the irishman it's like what's what's better going down in a blaze of glory like sunny or living with your sins and just dying of a heart attack alone in a field yeah yeah you know like you're with your grandson by yourself yeah, uh, yeah. See, that's, i think that's just the only reason why that one like uh, speaks is just the fact that the kid is there and then like doesn't even really understand what's happening until like maybe the very end Mm-hmm. it's just like and it's such a an ignominy i'm gonna say that word incorrectly i think maybe uh, it's it might be um because Fredo's death is such an emotional mm. like peak like it's all been leading up to that whereas right we know that there is more movie after oh. uh don corleone or brando dies that's fair like, oh, we got more story to tell like when fredo dies you're like oh where do they go from here how mm-hmm. does he like right. where does and- like yeah. And I would say it's it feels like a letdown that it's so like family relatable that is death instead of like the epic blades of glory. And it it's supposed to be because of its place in the movie is mm-hmm. like you thought this was the big arc. It's not tricked ya. We've got yeah. something else. Yeah. It's, it's also a bummer that it doesn't end like Blades of Glory, where yeah. uh <laughs> where uh the, the bad boy of figure skating will yeah, fail. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, <laughs> Fredo and uh, Michael Corleone do the perfect skating. 
What a what a twist. What, what a twist. twist. Hey, we Francis, have to win. Francis Coppola just always thinking ahead on where things are going in the world of art and cinema. <laughs> so great at the last 20 minutes of the movie was like, we remember we have to win the skating competition. Yeah. But uh, one thing you the interesting thing, I think Courtney, you mentioned it earlier, going off what Patrick said of um kind of the scope, like the arc of the first godfather is bigger. It is yes. because you're watching Michael go from this to this yeah. and you're also He's, covering more years of his life mm-hmm. yeah. it's a much more michael michael's story is so much more contained in godfather 2 yeah and i think that but on the flip side of that which helps the scope is the the breadth of Vito's story mm. that's where you kind of get the big cinema the big kind of traveling around the trip to sicily all that kind of stuff the and all the ellis island stuff all of the um stuff in new york I mean, you know, people talk about that tracking shot of him crawling across the roofs. It's just so beautiful and like thrilling. It does give you the arc and it's his arc of how he went from being, I mean, the way he's described at the opening scene when they're going to kill, they're going to kill him in Sicily when he's like nine years old. Yeah. They're describing Fredo. He's dumb. He doesn't talk. Mm -hmm. He, he's never going to do anything. And then we find out he's no Fredo. He's, you know, he's a Michael. Right. You know, and I think that you also like the idea of being quiet and being cool and being the one who kind of like watches and waits for their moment. But then when they take their shot, you know, it's, um, it's a big, bold (laughs) shot. You know, it's like, you know, each of their killings, like, that they do in the films, whether it's Michael in the restaurant with the police captain and oh, man. Salazzo, which is a probably it's one of my so... favorite scenes oh, just yeah. in general of the series. Oh yeah, his face in that like that one moment where he has the gun and he's just sitting down. Oh man, like it's so like where he's kind of like his eyes are flittering and it's like that like doors like his brain is squirming like a toad. It's like that fucking doors line. It's just wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, look, it's, for me, it's very much like, because Michael has the perfect storyline that first movie, like, how does anything beat that for an acting performance? So I was trying my best to, like, rip it apart, and it's, I mean, there's certain things where, like, well, I know he's evil because he's wearing a black hat now. He wasn't wearing <laughs> yeah. in the seat last season, <laughs> yeah, Solomon. Now we know. Now we know. That's yeah. not acting. Oh, even, um, even his cool Cuban clothes are um, sinister. Oh, yeah. 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 His um, ascot game is on point. Yeah, the only thing missing is an evil goatee. Um, but I, I forgot to mention on the podcast, but I told you guys this already, is uh, knowing I was going into this epic six-hour, plus-hour ma- marathon of rewatching Godfather, I treated myself with making some cannolis along the way, which I highly highly recommend hmm. is desperately needed for a godfather rewatch to get through hmm. and timing eating one in the famous cannoli scene in the first movie is yeah I, <laughs> please do it every do it. Yeah. Uh, man uh this is an academy academy first to have a guest cook something inspired by the film uh i would say like uh yeah i think that movie theaters should have uh, uh they there should be more themed food it'd, it'd, be, hmm. it'd be great like uh 
trying to think of like movies where like you would like you know like the, we were talking about like whiplash like, well like, i mean just... uh kramer versus kramer versus french toast yeah there's an item for your menu right there, there. yeah there we go they should put they should serve spoiler alert french toast wins yeah <laughs> if you want to save movie theaters i think we may have figured it out yeah I'm just saying save them yeah they're, they're food they're restaurants now but i i think um this episode definitely like we've had some episodes where movies haven't had the level of quality we've wanted the this is these are just this is this episode kind of has been a praise fest but how um how could it not have been a praise fest i mean this is just yeah yeah, fun chat about two great films i think what do you say should we move into the um ranking let's should we should we go for it here let's pull the band-aid here Uh, obviously first things first uh featured player this week john kazale uh supporting player of the week award a lot of options um patrick who is your favorite non-al pacino performance Damn, of this week it's it's so hard and it's so the funny embarrassment I, of riches because i went in here with like a i went in here like uh thinking it would be a certain person but then i realized oh i barely talked about them like is that my favorite performance <laughs> uh and you're referring to Sterling Hayden. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. referring to Sterling. I'm referring to Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, yeah, no, actually, Sterling Hayden does rule. Yeah, they actually they both ruled. They're they both, both great. Slept. Also, <laughs> G.D. Spradlin is like the world's worst senator. Like that guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's great. <laughs> oh, so good. Spot on. This this movie does a great job of casting like the white bread, like the white bread rolls, perfectly casted. All the all the good good white bread performances. Um. Uh, not Tim Bread, uh, but uh, or Greg or Greg Water, yeah. The, 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 the ballad of Tim Bread and Greg Water. Uh, I can't wait for that movie. Um, God, you know what? I'm gonna give it to. Hmm. You know, what? I'm gonna stick to my guns and give it to someone I uh, didn't talk to about as much, but I just I loved. Uh, I am gonna give it to uh, Richard Castellano yeah. as Clemenza. Clemenza. Clemenza, Clemenza. Uh, almost <laughs> called Al Pacino Austin Powers, almost called Clemenza Clemente. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, he is, uh, he's filled with so much vim and vigor in his performance. It's such a, and it's great because he's a character that could be played as incompetent. And in a lesser movie, he would be kind of like the goofball, like kind of like dropping cannolis all over the place, ding dong. And he's, uh, he's like, even though he's like a, you know, kind of a bigger guy, you know, they make it clear that he's like, you know, maybe like not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's still like a consummate professional that will like straight up murder people in the most vile ways possible. <laughs> and like, it's just like, it, it's, an, it's such a, it's an interesting dichotomy that he captures on screen. And it's like a bummer he wasn't nominated. It's uh he's like, he's the one that, yeah, he's really good. But it's also, I get it. You can't like have literally every uh every Oscar supporting actor nomination be from one movie uh well, could you or could, could you? i'm just saying watch out joel, watch out joel gray we have a time machine we'll go back uh but, coming uh, for you joel gray we're coming for you joel uh but uh yeah he's gonna get my gazelle also oh the last thing i'm gonna say is that um shout out you know marlon brando performance obviously great uh but uh i saw something where apparently orson welles wanted that role and he wanted he was like he was he was willing to lose weight he was like i will lose weight to take this role but that role was written for francis ford coppola 
or not for Francis. Francis Ford Coppola wrote that role yeah. for Marlon Brando. Oh, and I'm not going to lie. There is like a part of me that's like, man, what would an Orson Welles Vito Corleone? That is such a, I would, I, I, I would like to just see maybe some screen tests. Like yeah. um, Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. <laughs> just like the thought of like, oh, that was something. Oh you yeah. Know? Or like, yeah, Glenn Turnman as Han Solo. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, I'm gonna be real quick here. It's John Cazale. Oh. Like John Cazale wins John Cazale this week. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally, know. totally. I was saving that for you. I was like, I know. I know. Yeah. I, no, I it, it's he's he's absolutely brilliant. The scene where the I'm smart scene is one of my favorite scenes in all of movies. Um, yeah, uh, it's easy. Uh, Courtney, who is your John Cazale winner of the week? Uh, so I very much. Like, uh, when I originally watched this in high school, my friends and I had this, like, love affair for Mo Green, where it was, like, a code name for us. Like, when we, whenever we see each other for, like, the rest of our lives, we're supposed to shout Mo Green at the other person. If we run into them, that person has to, like, freeze and, like, has to do something wa- physically wacky and freeze and frame until the other person can come up and talk to them. Um, so I always, always will have a special place in my heart for Mo Green and just shouting his name as loud as possible. But... He also gets one of the best deaths in movies too. Oh my! We should bring God, that up. Yes, yeah. uh, such a great um, visual. Such a such a tiny amount of screen time and just so owns every moment he's on there. But I mean, yeah, Fredo and Godfather <laughs> too. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, I got to give it to that. So you know, it's kind of what um, it's kind of the the apex of what it means to be a supporting actor and have the supporting actor role. Like in that documentary that we recommended before, I know it was you, the, uh, about John Cazale, you know, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, Sam Rockwell, Steve Buscemi, all of them are just like talking about how much they love Cazale. And that is kind of what they built their careers on. What he built his career on is you might not get all the scenes, but when you get that one scene, you're going to like, like I mean, you think about like Philip Seymour Hoffman, Boogie Nights, when he uh, declares his love for Dirk Diggler and he's got the same clothes and the same car and he gets turned down. I mean, it's just little stuff like that. You never forget. Yeah. And John Cazale is like the king oh, of yeah. that stuff. Oh, man. I, I mean, I, I'm a terrible actress, but I still attempt to do it. But I've always had a love affair for myself, like playing the supporting roles. It's like, that's more fun. It really is. Um, oh yeah, like more textured roles. Those are the yeah. best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. F- you know. So, um, moving on to the moment of truth here. I don't know where this is going to go. I know we've we just we've because we've been there's been no like yeah but element like scent of a woman screams yeah. the yeah but element to <laughs> right. ranking these things. So, um, I don't know who's going to take this thing. But Patrick, why don't you uh, lead off? Oh man, it is, it's super difficult. Um, on one hand, and because number one, these two movies, like you, there's a version of this bracket where like, you know, if we had more time in our lives, we'd probably put these two movies together as one because they almost are like, you know, like it's the same, you know, it's almost the same before. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, it's hard to choose which one has like the definitive, uh, you know, Corleone performance. Uh, on one hand, Godfather seems a little more epic in scope, and then like there's a clear arc for his character, and you see perhaps more sides of uh, Pacino. But then on the other hand, 
part two has like you know the big the hits like Al Pacino you know you have the kiss you have the reaction to the abortion you have him just sitting glowering at the end <laughs> and that old Fredo's with the fishes like you have like you know it's just like hit after hit um it's really hard um God. I'm gonna You know what? I'm gonna go with uh, just because, like, even though I actually I think I like Godfather more as a film, I think the parts of Pacino's performance that will stick with me more are in part two. Even though he has more, even though he has more range in part, like you know, he does. He gets. He, he has a lot. Yeah. He has that's a lot of right. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like he gets and he has like that Sicilian adventure where like you see this totally crazy other side of him. And then the war hero at the wedding. Like, yeah, that is that is not a godfather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh. but it's folks. Like, if you could see the zoom right now, Patrick is just uh, <laughs> he's he's having a full he's having it. a full crisis. Here. <laughs> I, I think I got a. You got so many doubts. I'm having my midlife crisis early. I have so many <laughs> doubts. I'm having my quarter lifer. Uh, oh man, that'd be nice if it was quarter. I'd be 120. That'd be great. Uh, Ooh, bullseye. Bullseye. Uh, with you can Jesse always have Thorne. a coda to your life. You can always have a coda. So. That's true. I always have a coda. Yeah, I can always have a coda in my life. Yeah, I can always have like a yeah late revision, late re-edit of my life. That'd be cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, Ask I'd Francis love... Ford Coppola about that. Yeah, get Walter Murch to edit my life, please. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'll. Uh, just because, okay, Godfather Part Two, doing it just because like the, the mm-hmm. big moments that will stick with me forever are like the kiss, the mm-hmm. reaction to the abortion, and those are just like so powerful. Like those are yeah. just like even like, and it's just for me like I've made a lot of my decisions based on just like moments. Like it's like with Kramer versus Kramer, like I felt so much seeing. Meryl Streep's like teary red face reacting to Dustin Hoffman like there's uh, that's what I go for I guess when I make my choices like what really like hits me at my heart and those moments hit me at my heart okay so I'm going part two part two yeah you know I think like I agree like the arc and the change of Michael from the first time we meet him at the wedding to you know we didn't even bring up one of the all-time closing moments in movie history in which he when the door shut when the do- when yeah, he becomes the, the godfather shot. and shuts the door and Diane Keaton it's um yeah pretty I mean it's you know if you're Francis Coughlin and you see that happening that day on the set he's like oh I think we got something pretty good here <laughs> like, you know. but by the way we didn't even bring up like the whole uh uh oh my god I'm, I'm so not Catholic I'm blanking on that a baptism is that is oh yeah the, oh, the yeah. baptism cross cut with the uh, massacre or the oh, car, the it, car exploding. Oh, yeah. God, oh. there's so many. Well, him, him reacting to his first wife being like he knows like she shouldn't be in the car and that whole emotional scene. I'm just saying, Patrick. He, I yeah, I know you already made your decision. I'm not trying to make it difficult for you, but uh-huh. but you, you do bring up a great point. Is that in this the Sicily scene is so important because yes. it's the one time in any of the movies he's letting his guard down yeah. and yes. actually like relaxing and like uh-huh. letting his emotional heart take control of his decision making and blows up in his face and he never does it again because yeah. he it so makes him who he is yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 hugely important. So go back in time to Robert Evans and tell him we need to go to Sicily and shoot this sequence. It's important for the movie. Yeah. Um, boy, that's like what a what a what a ninth inning shot that was. Um, yeah, I think the thing that I keep coming back to by Godfather One though is that he is just part of the mix in Godfather one, whereas Godfather two, yes, it is the split storylines, but in his half, it is him. It's him he's, and Fredo. It's, it's him, him and Fredo. Fredo. Yeah. Him and Fredo. Yes. But I mean, he's, we rarely leave Michael in those sequences. And I think about like, you know, performances like um, Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs or like these very like controlled, like just some of the scariest type characters Warren you can imagine. Warren Beatty and Bullworth. Warren Beatty and Bullworth, obviously. Yeah, Warren horrible, Beatty. Horrible, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think like, I don't know. I just like, just watching him. It was just so chilling this time around watching him mm-hmm. in Godfather 2 and just kind of, the difference is like, even like comparing him to Brando, how Brando behaves when he had his, his visitors in the wedding scene, whereas the way Michael behaves when he has his visit- visitors at the first communion scene, like there's an edge to everything Michael's doing, but it's in like an unspoken edge. It's a discomfort to it. Like he's both there, but it's like, he's not jovial. He's not like the warm godfather who does stuff behind the scenes that are like, it's all scary. Like, and you can yeah. feel it. Like there isn't like, I love you godfather. And Oh, I'll go visit you. We'll have bread together. You know, like, I don't see him like, Mark yeah. Brando wants people to come over. He wants to be invited to dinner to do. Yeah. Um, well, he's he very much like he became this out of because it's his only career path he could have for his for his family. Like yeah. there's no choice for him. Like it's not who he wanted him to be. Well, there's um, there's also an element too of here's something like accelerated capitalism uh, and the business <laughs> mindset of what it meant to be in turn of the century America and be like a small business in essence, in Marlon Brando's case to the corporation feel that and CEO type style that Michael is yeah. forced into, um, which is, and uh, obviously that also connects to Marlon Brando would never kill Fredo. No period. Never. Like he would never take it that far. The family that's like, there's a line. He, it's, for, he's doing this for the family. He's never, yeah. yeah. And by the end, Michael doesn't even know what he's really doing it for. <laughs> like everything's been stripped away from him, and he just can't help himself that he has to like finish and like t- close up all tight, even if it means the ultimate betrayal. And I mean, he, like you thought killing his brother-in-law in the first one was like a step too far this takes it even further and i just think it's like living in that that kind of character you just don't see particularly like you see like for a character to go from he does have an arc but it's just go from bad to worse in a way and signing out what this character's rock bottom is at the end of it and you're kind of left with him in this place of like where does michael go from here and if francis Coble had ended it there and they never returned to the series. And it was just left with this curdled man. I mean, what a story. Dark, dark as, dark as hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say this. I've never seen Godfather 3 because mm-hmm. I was told when I finally did watch the first two Godfathers is don't ruin this. End at 2 and never watch the third one. It's just, it's, it's more like a, it's not like a, 
car crash disaster. <laughs> like that, like some people have really made it out to feel that way. It's just more disappointing because it doesn't reach the heights. And Pacino brought up an interesting point. He thought he Coppola because Coppola lost his son in real life in the late eighties in a boating accident. And in the Godfather three, there is a lot of like issues with Michael's children and Michael wanting some level of redemption and protect his children. And Coppola was bringing a lot of his personal, his own personal feelings into it. And Al Pacino actually thought, I don't think Michael would be this reflective. I don't think he would. And they apparently fought pretty hard for the first time in any of these movies on three because Pacino disagreed with Michael's desire for redemption, which is, and um, I, in like thinking about it and thinking about the way this ends, I can see why Pacino would be like, no, I think it's really interesting that this character just go bad and be left in like cinematic purgatory, looking out that window, thinking about like, okay, I'm here. I'm, but I'm like this isolated king and everyone has left me. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me. It's, it's such an original character. It's Pacino's, just the, the way he balances out the character's anger, the nuances, his pain, too, when, when he is betrayed by Fredo. You know, we talked about the scene where he just puts his hands to his face. The kiss of death scene is so powerful even though we've seen it a million times and as Patrick mentioned, kind of thing that gets parodied a lot. Um, my vote is with the Godfather part two as well. Uh, I just think uh, he's taking everything that he did in the first one, magnifying it. He's also a movie star by this point. So he knows a few more moves on top of that. Yeah. And he looks great. We didn't even mention how much of a hunk he is. Yeah. Hunk, hunk, <laughs> hunk, <you're laughs> all of them, even, even Fredo's a damn hunk. When he has that mustache... <laughs> Yeah, you looks give him that good mustache. With that mustache. <laughs> good. I love that stash. I love stashed Fredo. Well, also, like, he starts balding in the right way for his character to make sense, where it's like, did he, did he just decide to become, Fre- like, is this, yeah. like, method? He's, it's an amazing, let's move John Cazale on to the next round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Courtney, what is what are your final thoughts and vote? Um, so I, I think I've said this far too many times already in the podcast. I very much went into this. Um, first of all, like Godfather 1, I love that movie so much more than Godfather 2. And I think it's because I just don't like the Vito storyline as much as ever everyone else does. Right. Um, however, never rewatch Godfather 2 skipping the Vito stuff. Like it just, it's a terrible idea. Do not do it. Every time you guys were mentioning that stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that is good. And that would have helped. It would have been nice seeing a baby Michael and come back to evil Michael. And I I had the choice to do that and I didn't do it. That's fine. Um, but it's when you really slice it down and just look at this is a great movie. This is a it there's a great arc to to Michael and the first godfather. And you specifically look at like what are they asking for Pacino to do with his character? And he isn't, they aren't asking him as much as they're asking the production to do X, Y, and Z for the production to say this, because you have like oranges mean death. Like that's not an actor like doing death. That's that's literally making sure you have an orange in the scene. Um, and so you have so much of that carrying the weight of the movie in the first one where Honestly, it's like Al Pacino doesn't have as much room to do the acting as he's given in the second movie. And so 
I think always when with the with the Academy Awards, with the SAG Awards, with, with the BAFTAs, you always give the award to someone who has that great scene, not that great story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the individual scenes and the individual moments he's asked for in Godfather 2, his performance is so much stronger and is asking so much more of him. And so it it breaks my heart to have to pick Godfather 2, but I mean, the quivering lip in the abortion scene was like, for me, that was the winner of like the whole two movie arc. So, yeah, it was the first one we've watched where we were sitting in the bedroom. Both of us kind of said, whoa, like out loud when he did that, because we were just like, oh my gosh, that is like, I'm feeling you're, you're so there. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible moment. So, Godfather 2 wins three nothing over godfather one setting up a second round mega showdown the dog day afternoon versus godfather part two um both won their bracket both won three nothing in each category so we will see where that goes i don't know patrick uh i am am anticipating it but i'm also boy a lot of, lot of tension there. A lot of responsibility for us uh, as the Academy Academy. It's I'd hard. Say. Yeah, because like Dog Day Afternoon was really good. <laughs> it's yeah. a good movie. And it's like such a different movie too. Like these are like the scope of both of these movies are so different. And like the performances, it's, uh, it's truly like comparing like a, like your favorite burger at the, coolest little secret burger joint that nobody knows about versus like i don't know like like the uh, a fine lobster dinner you know what i mean like it's just like and it's like it's like you can't even compare like you know you need to be in different head spaces for both of them i don't know it's gonna be tough i'm just like wait how did they end up in the second round next to each other i want to know how this whole bracket looks (laughs) that this happened oh i'll send you oh you you can explain well this was the portrait of the alctor as a young man division <laughs> oh yeah and we just i mean he just his 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 work from like 70 to 79 is pretty unstoppable i mean just you know excluding injustice for all like, i will yeah exclude that i mean because yeah. the panic in needle park was up against dog day afternoon and oh, yeah. um you know we have serpico was in a different division but serpico would be in that mix as well as would scarecrow scarecrow defeated insomnia last week so 70s al pacino still really is running high and yeah i think it would be pretty safe to say patrick that 70s al pacino is going to win yeah they turned to some yeah. some 70s al pacino yeah. this I, gonna yeah. take this? like i don't see uh i don't see uh um oh you know uh, yeah, no, no, I don't see. Yeah, no offense, no, much, much love to send of a woman, but like, yeah, I don't see. And there was, there was a lot of love for the insider. Yeah, certainly. Oh, but, I love um, the, the insider was really good. Oh man, yeah, the insider upset Heat. Yeah, a big, big, big upset that week. But uh, you know, see, it will you know next week. Obviously, we move on to Donnie Brasco versus Devil's Advocate. Two '90s performances. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to this week's game, Patrick. Do you want to introduce? What we have on oh, the yeah. agenda. Uh, so this game is uh, what's in the box. It's not an Al Pacino <laughs> thing, but it's still a fun name. Uh, Nor is it a seven thing. <laughs> yeah, not even a seven thing. I don't know why it references seven, uh, but 
I, I, I chose it. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Uh, so the premise is I'm going to uh, uh, give my intrepid uh, participants. I'm gonna I'm gonna say some. I'm gonna read some reviews from Letterboxd of uh, various Al Pacino films. It could be any Al Pacino film, and uh, you get um, and you have to a guess which film it is, and then b guess what the the star rating is. Uh, each each guess is a point. We're gonna play to five points unless that gets difficult. Maybe we'll play to three. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Five seems good. It could be a disaster. Could be a disaster. Could be very. It's gonna be a disaster. Just heads up. I'll start. You know, I'll start with like. Right, an let's easy, go for it. Yeah, I'll start with an easier one. I'm gonna start with an easy one. Or it's like pretty uh pretty clear who the uh who the uh the movie it's referencing. Okay. Uh, let's do. Uh, here we go. Uh, good, but I felt like something was off during the movie. And then I realized it was like nobody put their heart and soul into the character they played, but only Al Pacino himself. That is the review made 30th of April, 2021. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess, um, three stars. (laughs) And uh, two for the money. Two for the money. Ooh, three stars and two for the money. Three stars uh, and two for the money. Three stars, Simone. Three stars, Simone. Uh, both of you were close. Three and a half stars sent of a woman. Okay. Three and a what? half stars said good, but I felt like something was off. And I realized it was like good, but I felt like something was off during the movie. And then I realized that it was like nobody put their heart and soul into the character they played, but only Al Pacino himself. I'll give you guys a point each for that. Just because yeah, three, sure. when you're yeah, like half close. a point close, yeah, that's enough. That's I enough. did not see it coming that that was going to be sent to a woman. <laughs> I would not. I, have... I didn't realize we could give half stars. That was on yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. Here we go. All right, tie, tie ball game. As long as you're in the, here's my rule. As long as you're in like the, uh, if you're in a half that's in the uh, thing. So three or three and a half. And if it's a three or a three and a half star fill, you, you get the point. Uh, here we go. Here we go. One, one. The next one is. This movie and Speed Racer take place in the same universe. Change my mind, I dare you. This movie and Speed Racer take place in the same universe. Change my mind, I dare you. Hey, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is a hard... (laughs) Uh, There's so much I want to know about the reviewer. I just... Oh god. I'm gonna say um two stars Jack and Jill. Okay. Uh Courtney. Um I feel like this person genuinely loved this movie. Um <laughs> so I'm gonna go with four stars. Um I have absolutely no what no idea what movie it is, but I'm trying to think of movies you could have picked for us to talk about. Uh God, the, the devil's advocate. I don't know. Oh man, uh, close. Uh, so four stars. It's a four star rating. So you get the yes. point. You won. And the movie is Dick Tracy. <laughs> okay, that yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I can see yeah. it. Oh, okay. Man. Let's see. What's another one? Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Prove me wrong. <laughs> uh, this next review. I said it once, and I'll say it again. Ellipses. 
70s Al Pacino can like ellipses. Get it. I said it once and I'll say it again. 70s Al Pacino can like get it. Four stars dog day afternoon. Oh. It's I'm confused that this is like them saying Al Pacino outside of the 70s is better. Um, or if they actually are being like, hell yeah, to <laughs> it could be either way. It could be a trick that it's not a 70s Al Pacino. Um, I like the idea that this person's going around saying this often. Too. <laughs> they could. People who do reviews are just very interesting. I will just say that. Um, God, uh, I don't know. I'll do uh, five stars. Injustice for All, which I know it's not. Uh, it's okay. So four and a half stars. So you each get a point. Four and a half stars. Uh, but the movie is The Godfather. Oh. <laughs> the oh. Godfather. I was almost going to go with Godfather 2 and I should have just, that would have been closer, but still yeah. wrong. Oh man. Oh, this is this is one of my favorite ones right here. Uh, this, this review. Uh, and this is translated from Spanish. Uh, <laughs> Al Pacino looks like a young Homer. Translated from Spanish, Al Pacino looks like a young Homer. <laughs> what? <laughs> Al Pacino se parece a Homero joven. Um, I'm going to go five stars Scarface. Uh, okay, I was gonna say Scarface, so I'm, so I'm not going to now. So I'm gonna come up with a back plan B on this one. Uh, um, God, jeez, this is just so... somebody went online and wrote that. <laughs> I don't. I want to meet these people. I really do. You got to get these people on a podcast. They're great. Um, if, any, if any of you are listeners who also wrote any of these reviews, let us know. <laughs> uh, I'll go with. Four stars, Godfather 2. Oh, man. So, four-star review. So, Courtney gets the point. Damn. Four, and two. So, four, two. And so, and, but the movie? A Panic in Needle Park. Okay. <laughs> the Panic in Needle Park. Said it once and I'll say it again. <laughs> when I, whenever I watch Panic in Needle Park, I think of The Simpsons. Yeah, the Panic in Needle Park four-star review. Oh, my goodness. Al Pacino looks like a young Homer. Uh, okay, I got to make up some points. Let's see. Let's see. Can, can Don make his chance? Or is Courtney going to win the first battle? I think uh, if this proves anything, I'm... I'm a freaking fraud. I don't know anything about movies. Ooh, yeah, that, that's we, we the thing. Get, but I want to keep in mind, we're only get the stars right. We've gotten zero movies <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Also, whoever wins this becomes my co-host. Sorry. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, Courtney has to become the next. Uh, I'm a man now, but I have no podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no podcast. Uh, here we go. Uh, You're not a man until you have a podcast. Yeah, just picture you wandering outside with a microphone and it's not plugged into anything. Does anyone want to talk about the Sopranos? Oh, here we go. This is this is one of my personal favorite ones. Oh crap! Okay, so this one, no star rating. I unfortunately, okay. when I when I copied this, I did I didn't. Put, but we're just gonna do it because it's one of my favorite ones. Uh, so just guess which movie this is. Okay. Uh, Otis from Good Burger! Exclamation points. 
It always made me feel weird. I gave Cat in the Hat a higher score than this. I think I must have fallen asleep or something the first time I watched it, because this was insane from start to finish. Best rewatch so far. Oh, Otis man. Otis <laughs> <laughs> So, no, no star rating, but just uh, guess the... Tribune. I'm going. I'm going. Jack and Jill again. Jack and Jill. Uh, D- Devil's Advocate again. Oof! Both incorrect. The Godfather. That is the Godfather. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so the secret. The secret is uh, Otis from Good Burger, played by Abe Bogota. <laughs> so he's a cameo in Good Burger. <laughs> oh my god! I love that 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 what a what a millennial reference point. Otis yeah. <laughs> Better than Cat in the Hat. Oh man. Gonna read that one one more time. Otis from Good Burger. It always made me feel weird. I gave Cat in the Hat a higher score than this. I think I must have fallen asleep or something the first time I watched it. Because this was insane from start to finish. Best rewatch so far. I kind of wish they gave this a four-star rating, which means they gave Cat in the Hat a five-star rating. That's just kind of what I'm hoping for. Every, 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 we could do an entire episode breaking down each sentence of that. Yes. All right, Cat, we're almost done. We're almost, I, yeah. I got, I got three more. I got three more. Okay. Uh, so whoever, uh, if we, if we don't figure it out by then, uh, here we go. Uh, I completely forgot that this is the equivalent to putting ice in cereal. I completely forgot that this is the equivalent to putting ice in cereal. That's the review. <laughs> what movie and what star rating? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go um, Donnie Brasco. Four stars. Oh, no. uh, two stars. Um, uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, man. You know what? One and a half. I'll give it to you. You get the point. Right, yeah. You get the point. Uh, two, but uh, so Courtney wins. Uh, it is a one and a half star review of Jack and Jill. Oh, the one time I didn't pick Jack and Jill. <laughs> the one time. The one time. <laughs> Tipping your shot the whole time. Just go with it. No one's yeah. going to be one of them. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's like um, what a pick and see on a Scantron test. At some point, it's going to turn out right. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> This is the this is the the last review I had. So I'm glad Courtney won. My last review was a uh, Jared Fogel jump scare, <laughs> which is another one and a half star review of Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh well, uh, I think as you know, as difficult as that game turned out, that may have been the funnest one we've done yet. So thank you, Patrick, for introducing what's inside the box yeah. to the Academy Academy. Oh, well, yeah. what, I just want what, more reviews of Simone next time. That's all I'm oh, asking for. I can for. definitely. Yeah. yeah I, they seem to be out there. The crazy people on Letterboxd have no boundaries. Oh, um, <laughs> thank you. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. We, we felt like it was the Godfather. We, we've, 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 we've gone through the entire storyline, and we are all curdled mobsters alone yeah. in yeah, our. We hit lake over to, the three-hour mark because that's not, what you need. Not quite, but we are close enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, we are. We are deep. It, Courtney, is there anything you like to plug? Uh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Comrade Pepper. Um, and then my improv team does a online show. It's called Let Craig Be. It's on YouTube. I think if you 
Google that on YouTube. You might be able to find it. And that's the most will help you with that. So. <laughs> it's a very fun show. Um, thank you so much for coming, hanging out with us today and deciding on these, watching these, making cannolis. Yeah. Hell yeah. Very fun. Uh, Patrick, before we head out, is there, is there any, yeah, I know there could be a lot. These are two big movies, but is there anyone you'd like to thank for today's episode? I want to thank, uh, all those character actors that should have been nominated for Oscars, but didn't get them. I want to thank, uh, I want to thank uh, just the uh, making mo- uh, food that go- to go with your movies. Just you know, if you're watching, yeah, if you're watching absolutely. The Waterboy, make a gumbo. If you're watching, oh uh, my god, yes. If you're watching Billy Madison, make some chicken tenders. If you're watching, <laughs> you're just gonna say make a gumbo again. <laughs> yeah, if you're waiting, go yeah, make gumbo. If you're watching Simone, make some gumbo. Yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> if you're watching. <laughs> if you're watching. Uh, Oh God, I can't even. I was gonna say I was trying to think of the name of the uh, Dam- Damien Chazelle space movie and uh, First be- Man. First, first man. man, yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're watching First Man, make some gumbo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to thank um, uh, Sicily. I want to thank. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, movies within movies, uh, cannoli films. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I want to thank, you know what? I want to thank uh, Don for being a great co-host and congratulations again uh, on your, your child. And guess what, Hadley, uh, it's past your bedtime. Go, go to bed. bed. Yeah, go to oh bed. Boy, yeah, I'm getting in trouble for that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I got to thank, uh, you know, I'm going to throw it right back at you, Patrick. I got to uh-huh. thank you for declaring me a man. Yeah, that was uh, that was a big moment for me today. Um, (laughs) I got to thank the just general concept of learning about classical music through cartoons. Oh, yeah. I think that that's, um, you know, where we all got it and we all have a depth of, you know, real, real, real real knowledge. I learned about Um, the William Tell Overture when Yosemite Sam, uh, you know, rode a horse. You know, a lot of us have bucket lists and um, I got to thank, you know, just kind of this episode for bringing to mind the ultimate bucket list item for me, which is, of course, watching any episode or any of the films in this Jackass series with Al Pacino. (laughs) You know, definitely need that. Um, You know, Patrick, you thanked him too, but I got to do the same. I got to thank cannoli moments. Yeah. You know, a cannoli moment. Give it to me. Um, I'm just saying it, you should come up, always pick the cannoli moment in every Al Pacino film. <laughs> I think you got to do that going forward. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, we're going to add it. New new feature. Um, I got to I got to think, but with reservations, uh, touristy Napa. Oof. Give me the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I Coppola Vineyard just isn't cutting it. Um, but, you know, I had I I'm not a big wine guy, but it was fine by me um and then of course the big thank yous to my my good close personal friends greg water and tom bread (laughs) thank you thank you for everything you've done for the academy academy we would not be here i am speaking for patrick when i say that you know we would not be standing here looking at all of you and you oh we should mention too we uh we are recording from union station in los angeles right now we, we changed our location it's working out for us yeah. i don't know it's a little more intimate but you know yeah. what's happening <laughs> you know and initially you know we weren't really they weren't gonna let us do it 
when the Oscars were going up. But then Craig, Craig Water pulled some strings, and suddenly Craig Water crazy. called uh, called Steven Soderbergh and said, "Yeah, there's <laughs> a dopey podcast that means to record as well at Union Station." So thank you, Craig Water, Tom Bread, and Hell Steven Soderbergh, yeah, director when, of Oceans, <laughs> director of Oceans Thirteen with Al Pacino. Yeah, um, when, uh, when, <laughs> when Steven Soderbergh opened his uh, when uh, pulled down his sheets and saw the spilled Dr Pepper all over his. Uh, mm-hmm. His no, legs. No, <laughs> no, 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 there's a shortage. <laughs> so on that note, we have to thank you all for listening. Thank you to our wonderful guest, Courtney Haney. Uh, thank you all. See you next week. <laughs>